Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. The official podcast of Grapple. I'm Bella. And I'm Steph. And we're here, live. From Belfast. <laughs> Why are we recording from Belfast, Steph? Why is it me and you? Where's JP? What's going on? We're recording from Belfast because I have COVID. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, going to Las Vegas and uh, LA. Yeah. Spending uh, weeks in uh, wrestling shows and wandering around casinos and stuff. Who knew that would give you COVID? Yeah, I escaped having COVID the entire pandemic. Um, all the trips I've been on, I did not get COVID. Um, so it's I, my fault. Yeah, I escaped it in Minnesota, in Chicago, in Florida, mm. in Boston. But Las Vegas is what it took. <laughs> that is probably Fremont Street, to yep. be honest. Um yeah, I, I mean the walls of Fremont Street are just lined with COVID. I'm pretty sure, like yeah. those tall drinks they sell you, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I have COVID and I feel okay actually. I'm kind of tired and stuff, mm. but you've been good. You weren't look. You weren't looking so brave on the on the plane on the way back. That's when we first started to think you might be sick. Yeah, I did not know I had COVID then. <laughs> um, I thought I just overindulged, to be honest, because. Not bragging, but I did run 30k to 35k steps a day. Nice. Plus exercising and stuff, and like going out every night, drinking and other stuff. We didn't sleep much. Um, no, we were about four hours sleep a night, and this was for what, 10 days? Mm. So when it got to our final night, got to about 11 pm, and I was just at that point where I was like, I'm done. And I thought it was just tiredness, but gradually I got worse but that was kind of the worst of it I'm it's, not too bad it's one of them it's a price you gotta pay I mean we were saying this we're going around Vegas and it's you know you're in casinos and you're in arenas which is also can be parts of casinos and you're just yeah. you're right on top of people and if you go to Las Vegas for a week and you're messing around you know 
trying to be careful and wearing masks and stuff. It's just not going to work. There's nothing you can do. It's inevitable. No. You're going to come across it. You know. But it's you... fine. It's like, I know, if you're going to get a disease, you should get it in Vegas. <laughs> That's a good rule. It's such an adult playground. Yeah. You know, it's like a different... It's like going back in time, you know. Mm. Everyone's like smoking indoors and stuff. Like all this, all this stuff that's just not really going to prevent you getting COVID. Like you would see these people and they're like wearing masks in casinos and like someone's like smoking next to them and like you know drinking and stuff. And it's like you just shouldn't be in the casino, man. Like if that's how you feel. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took me ages to get COVID. Now I'm like part of the club. <laughs> um, pop the COVID cherry. And yeah. hopefully I will get it again. There you go. Yeah, you waited long enough, so yeah, I, I've somehow I've survived. It, so I'm doing okay right now. You know, so I'm all right. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a flight booked in tomorrow. But yeah, at the minute we're uh, we're locked down in uh, in Belfast just to keeping you safe in your in your mum's house, forcing yeah. us to watch. Uh, so, be Every show that we went to, we started to watch. <laughs> Pretty much, we've got some of your mum's uh, hot takes. Might even even get her in there live here at uh, at some point. Oh, but yeah, shit. <laughs> we just been keeping ourselves entertained, I think. And this is this is part of it. And obviously, JP was uh, away at some kind of family camp or something this this last week. He even so, he managed to squeeze in a wrestling show himself. So once Doesn't we sound uh, as fun as Vegas. No, but it looked like he had a good time. Probably mm. just this. Hopefully not as disease <laughs> Yeah. Say. But we'll we'll get, we'll get back together with JP. I mean, obviously, I put something on the uh, the Patreon just now, just to let the the patrons know where we were at. We have got a bit of a catch up to do as far as uh, content goes. But yeah, after the the effort JP put in, even editing Matty and uh, Gareth's show um, last week, although we couldn't quite upload it on the holiday camp Wi-Fi, he got it up in the end anyway. Um, um, but yeah, he's been doing a lot, so we've given him a couple of days off. Me and him will pro- probably do an early weekend show, make it a bit of a lengthy one later this week for the for the patrons. We definitely want to do. I think we're going to do like some kind of deep cut on it on Hangman Page's title run. He's got the WH Park show. He's uh, he's doing. There's there's all kinds. There'll be loads of uh, loads of content this week. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is a uh, this is our entertainment tonight. Although I suppose better than last night's entertainment, which was you know calling Mark Jano's cunts on Twitter. Um, any comment on that? <laughs> Just an utter cunt, <laughs> an, an, an utter, utter cunt, and... Who knew that somebody from TWM could be a cunt? And Bigger bigger Fool's progress for using him as their mouthpiece, mm. like, Bigger Fool's them, there's plenty of, plenty of other people that they would, uh, that they could have gone with, but, you know, he's, like, the most willing to sell his soul because... He'll do anything for a little bit of attention. It's like his tenth attempt at making a name for himself. Mm. Um, but he's not a cunt, and that's all I have to say. You daily know, Star Journal is going to Daily Star Journal, aren't they? He's, uh... You know, someone's bad if I if I jump in because I yeah. usually like stay out of any Twitter drama or whatever, and I never kind of give my opinions on people. Because mm. um, if I did, I'd be calling them cunts all day. <laughs> um, you know, you know, just know, you know, it's bad if I jump in. That's yeah. all I have to say. Normally, you're telling me what to say. <laughs> <laughs> but normally, I like leave things out. But if I, if I feel like I have to say something about someone, then it's it's bad. It's one of them. I just think like if you're gonna try and cover British wrestling, is fucking you know as stupid as a job that is in 2022. You probably have half a clue what you're talking about. You know, should probably not write stu- stupid things. Or like, half apparently... a sense of a sense of integrity or anything. You know. Like... Yeah. Well, apparently, um, Progress are the only company who uh, successfully um, ran uh, safe COVID shows during during the pandemic. Any comments on that? 
<laughs> he ran fuck all shows. He ran fuck all during the pandemic. They couldn't even well, get back on their feet. They did take some pandemic shows, but they weren't the only company. No, no. they weren't the only company. Including one you maybe work for? Yeah. <laughs> no, like I worked at RevPro's shows during the pandemic. Which is why you don't write about them. Which is why I don't write about them, why I don't cover them, because I work for them. Mm-hmm. And I never caught COVID at any of the shows because mm-hmm. they were doing like all the proper testing. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy did everything above board. Yeah. And I don't know, just, just don't listen to what that cunt says. Like, yeah, it's one of them. It's like, it's just embarrassing seeing, like, you know, Twitter banners, like a picture with the progress owners, the progress people have, you know, they're, I mean, they're going to enjoy the positive coverage, so they're going to retweet him, but the fuck yeah, but doesn't know what he's talking not, about. It's not positive coverage if it's coming from him. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I'm sure people are so on Twitter, like, you do a bit of digging on him and you realize he's not someone you want on your side. Yeah. And that's not what you should be. Like, how you should promote yourself. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like, when it comes to co- covering things and, like, journalistic integrity and whatever, like, like this is coming from someone who calls herself Miss Dynamite and mm. loves AEW, but I'm not out there, you know, being, like, trying to be, like, Dave Meltz or whatever. Like, I do interviews and I interview people from AEW, people from WWE, and that like, doesn't get in, in the way of things and I make my own content and I have my own fun but I'm not out there fucking spreading like lies about another company just because one company is giving me like every perk possible and yeah. no no company's giving me every perk possible but like the, this this twat is setting himself up <laughs> you know well, with that attitude you're never gonna get to sit front row at the uh, or in the in the in the JNO balcony at the biggest wrestling show or biggest match in the European wrestling history that um, <laughs> imagine being that clueless but anyway fuck that cunt I thought that might get, get you a bit riled up and get you some energy during these uh, <laughs> these COVID times one day one day one day I'll go in harder <laughs> with more receipts uh, well, I mean, before we get into the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about today, we got the the patrons to give us some questions for the end of the show. A couple of fun ones for you that I think you'll, uh, okay. you'll enjoy. We'll get you a glass of wine. You'll uh, you'll enjoy that. But you know, we want to catch. Is COVID? Ah, yeah, you're all right, it's, fine. Cool. it's fine but yeah we're going to catch up I suppose on some of the stuff we haven't recorded about over on the, the Patreon paywall side we did a Dynamite and, uh, and Rampage uh, review from week before last night that's how long ago it was it's been mm-hmm. a it's been a long two weeks um, unfortunately we did the Dynamite and Rampage review and then we went to Max Caster and GCW at the weekend and obviously Double or Nothing and we did plan <laughs> the day after on recording something uh, in our hotel one last Patreon show but uh what happened after CM Punk won the uh, the AEW title step? Are we behind the paywall? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought you thought we might be then. <laughs> might be some editing being done here. <laughs> I don't care. I'm calling anyone I can't this point. Um, yes, yeah, so CM Punk won the world title. Obviously, that was amazing. And we we Who celebrated more, me that. You? <laughs> well, <laughs> CM Punk won the world title. Then I went to a three-hour press scrum. Yeah. No joke. Three hours. Tony Cotton is still answering your question. He's to this day. still telling me about his uh, year. <laughs> and his um, trips to the toilet and his showers. <laughs> Fulham's love, transfers. I love Tony so much. He's nothing if not thorough. Mm. He's never going to shortchange you. No. Nope. Um, like our podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that ha- so that happened like I was in this press conference for three hours like Perbeno had to just wander around by, by himself and we had like a whole I had a good time yeah we had a whole plan of what to do that evening but 
like by the time I got out of the press conference, it was like, okay. So then we did a bit more casinoing, um, met up with Benno's friends. Yeah. Um, Lee and Irish Steve. Irish Steve, yeah. And um, you know, I went very Irish there. <laughs> and then we went back to the hotel. Um, we're like, we'll just have a cup of tea and... <laughs> And um, and then and a cheeky like, JP. A what? A cheeky JP. What's in, oh? <laughs> you think I mean a what? <laughs> you no, know, I thought you meant something else. No way. <laughs> a smoke. <laughs> a smoke of something right? that is legal in Vegas. We're allowed to say. Yeah, sure. And watch Young Sheldon. Um, because I love that little boy. He's he's. <laughs> I I don't like old Sheldon, but I love Young Sheldon. Anyway, and then the next thing I know, we ha- we hadn't packed as well. It was like a bomb site. Yeah. Um, like. I had I bought so much clothing on this trip, um, like as I hope you've all got a question seen. about that later. Don't okay, worry. right? Because I, I am the the poor Paris Hilton, and that's how I live my life. So there was so <laughs> much, so many. Everything was everywhere, and then the next thing I remember was being woken up by Benno and told it was six o'clock and our flight was in two hours, and we just looked at this bomb side of a room and we're like. Yeah, we're not making that. <laughs> so we didn't make our flight. And then it, that was really stressful for a couple of hours until we realized that if we turned up to the airport within two hours of missing the flight, they would have to put us on a new flight for free. Yeah. So we went to the airport, um, the Vegas airport, and they gave us a flight that connected what was Vegas to San Jose. And then, to the yeah, was Yeah, I was going to say. And then... Wasn't on our flight, unfortunately. Sorry about the coughing, guys. <laughs> um, and then San Jose to um, LAX. So that was um, awesome. I had a great time in the Vegas airport because like, they keep the casino vibe going. Yeah. So we just sat in the airport casino, got the flight to San Jose. That was fine. Got off the plane, literally got back on the same plane to then fly to Los Angeles. And then well, I tell them about my horror story. Mm. So we get to Los Angeles, and basically they sent our bags ahead of us. Dodgy. They sent our bags ahead of us. So we're waiting at the carousel for our bags in LAX, and out comes Benno's bag. And then we wait a little bit longer. And, like... uh, He's like... (laughs) We then realise that Steph's bag is not coming. Mm -hmm. Yes, Steph, the one that actually needs... The bag. I need my outfits. No, you don't need your outfits. You could be Ethan Page in one outfit. <laughs> um, my bag was missing, and not only that, like it's all it's all boys that are gonna be listening to that, and they won't understand this pain. I had packed for the first time ever. Had packed my full makeup kit in my uh, checked luggage because I was scrambling to leave the hotel room. Mm. So I had no makeup and I had no outfits. This was for like a night out in LA I was devastated but the good news is that well the suitcase did turn up it turned up at 5am that's how long I had to wait for my suitcase turned up at 5am got no sleep that night because I was waking Benno up every hour to say have you got a text yet have you got a text yet <laughs> um but we just complained about it and we got a hundred pound credit 
which I need to fly between Chicago and Detroit uh, in a couple of weeks. Good so. for you, innit? Well, who? <laughs> we definitely fucked that airline over because we probably spent, gave them up $60 for three yeah. flights and a $100 credit with our bags. But yeah, it basically <laughs> left us with no time to record and we ended mm-hmm. up with like less than two days in LA, which is not enough time to enjoy we experience LA. Oh, we did. We just stuck to the Hollywood area, didn't we? Which was yes. fucking dodgy. Like I, I put a tweet out that like I grew up in Bootle and I, I wasn't ready for how dodgy Hollywood Boulevard was. Like the fucking, even our hotel, like maybe it was like three different homeless people we saw like trying to sleep in the hotel land and we saw woke up one morning to uh, to the uh, the hotel manager just kicking shit out of no, some zombie we, homeless I person I woke up one morning and there was this guy I went out one morning like six and I saw this guy asleep on like the balcony area of our floor mm. and I said to Benno there's a man out there asleep do you think he's homeless or do you think he's he's staying here and Benno said oh, I bet he's staying here and I was thinking I don't think so and then like two hours later I go back outside again and the hotel manager's like literally kicking this guy to get him to leave and then he leaves but instead of going down the first set of stairs he comes past me so I'm like basically running down stairs going the whole way back up to get away from him um, <laughs> and this sounds bad but it's not like we were staying in a sketchy we were literally right off Hollywood Boulevard no like I just thought we, we picked a terrible hotel it's all like that it's all but I this was my fourth time in Hollywood and like Benno's first mm-hmm. So I don't think Benno liked it as much as I do. Uh, I like like the griminess of it. I liked Inglewood better. Benno liked Inglewood. Yeah, it was good. Like, it was just yeah, it was it was an eye opening experience. But we got to see the Hollywood signs. Got to see uh, Vince McMahon's uh, star uh, on the uh, on the on the boardwalk. We got to see uh, mm-hmm. the Rock, Vin Diesel, a few other things. Went to uh, where did we go? Like went up to the uh, the Viper Rooms, the famous Rainbow. Yeah. Bar. So what we did, well, I'll just quickly say what we did in in Hollywood. Um, so like the first night we walked um, Hollywood Boulevard so we went to see stars like Vince McMahon's star mm. um, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson um, and then I always go to the Chinese theatre uh, because my favourite actor John Barrymore no relation to Michael um, has his handprints there so I always go see them so we walked up one side of Hollywood Boulevard and then down the other side just calling in little shops went to the Hard Rock Cafe because I love Hard Rock Cafes everywhere and they had some good Guns N' Roses stuff in that one mm. yeah um, so that was awesome. And then we went to this bar that I love so much called the Burgundy Room that I had been to a couple of times before in LA and I'd always got a cab to it. And I was literally on the street with Benham and I was like, let me Google map something to see how far it is. And it was one minute away. Like I had no idea of the exact location of this bar because I'd always been to it in cabs. So that was amazing. Um, just awesome goth bar, awesome music. And then like the next day we had like this huge walk around LA um doing like the, me and Hollywood Boulevard again and then I had wanted to go to this um place uh this store called Dolls Kill and I was going to get a cab to it but we decided to walk to it and then we got to see even more mm. um of um like Santa Monica Boulevard area of yeah. Hollywood and then we also went to like West Hollywood uh, WeHo like the gay district we got to go to Mickey's which is an awesome drag bar um, that I've been to quite a few times um, and it was really nicely done up because you know, obviously Pride Month just started and um, then that night um, I had planned like uh, you know Guns N' Roses tribute night so we went to the Rainbow um, which is really 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 cool place 
and if you love Motorhead, absolutely go because there's so much um, stuff to do with Lemmy because it was his favorite place. Uh, and then, as luck would have it, they were doing Goth Night upstairs, so <laughs> I was the happiest I've ever been. Um, and then we went down, tried to go to the whiskey, but it was there was a gig on. It was a twenty dollar cover charge, so it wasn't worth it. Um, and then we like looked into the Viper Room as well, and then we went back to the Rainbow just to have more fun. It was just so much fun and cool in there, and yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if you, th- if you think I didn't fit in in the in these locations, I did my best, you know, to fit in with the uh, with the cool kids, you know. Well, look, when we went to Burgundy Room, which like one of my favorite places, because they'd lost my luggage, I turned up in leggings, <laughs> which I would never, I would never ever go somewhere like that in leggings. Um, an AW t-shirt was which wasn't so bad. At least I had my pink Miss Dynamite jacket, so I looked kind of cool. But I mean. If I had known, I would have turned out a look. But unfortunately, <laughs> I was like Rhea Ripley and Helena Self. I didn't have my proper gear. No, you were Undertaker in 1998 at I was Manchester. Undertaker when he... No, at the time that the Undertaker wore his, wore his lounge were out. That's what I was like. It's funny because, like, yeah, have a, you know, we still made the, the most of it. No, um, absolutely. Like, mm. you should all be proud of me for, for <laughs> like, going out into the world. Slumming it. For slumming it in, in leggings and public uh, I, I was going to say like yeah, if you think if you think I, I was out of place there the best night we had in LA uh, was when we went out we went out in, <laughs> we went to the to, you know the, the dynamite taping and obviously yeah, we'll get into all that in a minute but like afterwards you were looking for like uh, hip hop bars that I'd like or mm-hmm. like somewhere we could get food or somewhere that had good beer and we found a place that ticked all the boxes yeah. in Inglewood I don't know if this was technically South Central but mm-hmm. kind of was <laughs> we ended up there uh, to say they hadn't seen people like us you know, like that in quite some time was uh to say the least it was uh we got some got some looks i got i got asked if i was a cop less than i do anytime i go out in the dingle in liverpool so yeah you know, we're doing pretty well there but oh, it, it was, was a, super cool it, it was, was so good it's really nice bouncer denial it was called yeah yeah he said to bouncer where you can get cigarettes and you can get them in the garage on the corner or at the back of my car <laughs> good sign good bouncer good good sign. he had sealed marble silver for at dollars <laughs> yeah so we did that we Better sat around duty free. <laughs> oh, it, was it was just so good I've had the, I had the best chicken wings of my life uh, I had and, amazing uh, sliders and the chips were awesome yeah and there was a garlic dip and all, <laughs> like all you need to get me in somewhere is garlic dip the locals were loving you like there was a lot of uh, a lot of attention paid to this uh, you know <laughs> Irish blonde girl in there I don't think there's ever been an Irish blonde girl they in, appreciate in it my fashion a lot of karaoke going on as well we're we'll doing Keith Sweat yeah. Of, um, what was the other one? Erica Badu. Badu. Yeah. You better call <laughs> Taiwan. <Tywo. laughs> All that. We had, the, we had the best night, yeah. I good. wanted to do Lauren Helen and then I wouldn't let me. <laughs> I could have done. We, what were we saying? We could have done Mar- Mariah Carey, ODB, Fancy. An ODB, yeah. I've been up for that. I've been up for that. But no, it was great. It didn't push that off. We had a. We had a good time. So, yeah, that was kind of L.A., really. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have any other notes on Vegas for we get into the rest of the and stuff that yeah, we left off I'm from just, last week? I just want to try and think of what we, well, we did. did. The big things, I suppose, are Max Caster and, um, and yeah. Fremont Street and me going to GCW as well. And I had a great time at GCW. Yeah, it was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Worth the trip. Yeah, so Ben <laughs> went to GCW and I decided that I didn't want to go. Um, I, like, I, I don't know. I, so I went to, like, 
I went shopping like during the day and I was just very happy with my stuff and I just decided I wanted to like dress up and walk around like the strip and whatever so then mm-hmm. I went to GCW and then I started cool by me. then I started feeling bad like maybe I should have gone to GCW but it turns out it was a load of shite did and, I say that? and it wasn't even gotta keep a gimmick over you oh it well okay but it wasn't even where Beto thought it was like but I think Beto spent more on taxis trying to find GCW than I did shopping see I just assumed it'd be on Fremont Street so Fremont Street's like the old Vegas which is like the party area. It's where Grato, where Grato Khan was pictured on the cock. Oh, uh, we saw the cock. I didn't ride the cock, but we saw it. <laughs> I wanted to, but but I, I got in enough trouble from Benno for from a Dick's picture. Um, <laughs> Dick's oh Dick's, which used to be the um, the nitro some, the nitro girl. girl. Yeah, we found mm-hmm. that, didn't we? Uh, what what was that? Was that? Flamingo? No, Excalibur. Excalibur, yeah. yeah. We found that the site of the old Nitro Grill, so that was fun. But no, like, it, like um, Fremont Street's insane. Like, we had the best, one of the best party nights of my life there watching Me too. Like, Max Caster's gig. Did we talk about it in the previous? No, we didn't, no. It was, like, there were, just for an example, you know, it's a big street, but there were three different bands playing. Mm-hmm. One was playing, like, 80s pop, one was playing classic rock, and one was playing hair metal. It was amazing. You could just walk through and, like... With a big fuck-off drink in your hand. bands, have a drink in Adult your hand. Adult <laughs> Have something else in your hand that's legal in Vegas. Yep. Um, and just everyone was, like, so nice as well. We find this... Um, retro toy store and they had done up all um, re- oh. put wrestling toys up yeah. so we were seeing like 80s Hogan's and stuff and then yeah. the bar where Max Caster is playing I need to put all these photos online but they had a lot of um, wrestling stuff in it like they had Penta's um, gear mm-hmm. um, and they had uh, very classic WWF posters that were really nice and just you know for me and Benno mm-hmm. um, as wrestling fans like firstly you know just going to Fremont Street was an awesome party and it would have been great if it was nothing to do with wrestling. But then we found all this other like cool wrestling stuff as well and it was just really, really great. But it was like you would like say, take this area and it is like it's grimy. You know, as fun as it is, it's fucking grimy. You know, there's people going across your head on like, you know, air glider type things and stuff. We talked about it a little bit on one of the Patreon shows. But like the you just I just assumed you should be running there. So, like, there was a casino there called the Golden Nugget Casino. Yeah. So I literally left you, got got, got an Uber all the way there, cost me about $20, and then I got out and realised, yeah, this place is way too nice for GCW to run here, even though it's Fremont Street. Turned out they were, they were downgraded, they weren't Golden Nugget, they were the Silver Nugget, which was fucking miles out of town. Like, I got in this Uber, I felt like I was in it for about 45 minutes to get to the fucking place. It was the most sketchy casino ever, miles from the strip. Like, it was just, and it was in there, like, their back room. That's where GCW was running. And to be fair, like, it was probably the, it was busy and they made massive use of the room. Like, I would put the attendance, you know, in the, probably in the thousands or so. It was like, it felt like one of the, the bigger GCW shows, but I don't know. It didn't really feel like they made much effort. Like, it was just there. I don't know. They, they didn't really dress the, the, the place up much. The, the card wasn't saying much. I mean, we'd already think... been bored to fuck by, you know, Johnny nitro game changer whatever his name is he turned up on the show that was like great to get to see him and joey janela try and 
kill each other. And um, apparently his manager is called Dad. Didn't even know who he was. That was terrible. And that, wasn't Dan the dad? No, it was just oh, some other bloke who's like his gimmick dad. is he's someone's dad. Yeah. Right, okay. Like didn't understand that. The undercard wasn't saying much. There wasn't much of an atmosphere. It was a bit like to be honest, it reminded me of home though. No, it was a bit like being at your hall. Um with the uh, the barkeys and stuff that was fucking but you know, I, it wasn't prepared for for like a wrestling crowd. I feel like as a as a GCW observer, mm. like this they this is where they usually fail in these moments where there's something big to take advantage of. A lot of people in town, a lot of travelling like people like that, me. You know, the the, the, the pay-per-view that they did. Um, yeah, the new the one. The one with uh, Ali Cat versus Ruby Soho. Like, mm. I, I do think that was a fail in general. Mm. Um, and then this show, like, the the most likely crowd they're ever going to get is people that are somewhere for, for AEW. And, like, they should have booked a better venue. It was so much out of the strip. Like... So, Apparently Melter and Alvarez recorded like a live podcast there early in the day. Like I, yeah. But like I, because I stayed where around where the AW show was happening like that night. So like I was I was in the Mandalay Bay area where I spent zero because I got free drinks at the casino even though I wasn't gambling. Mm. And there were so many AW fans walking around, mm. and it's just like if they spent a little bit of extra money to take their show closer to the strip these people might have traveled mm. because this, these were people on a Saturday night, like literally just walking around a casino because they had nothing to do, but they were wrestling fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it felt like it, it's like, a, I think there's going to be a lot more of these weekends where there's people like us, you know, traveling for the AEW weekenders. And you think I think AEW take... weekends are going to become the thing I, rather than WWE weekends because indie shows, there's more of a... a, a, a a synergy, even the fact that you can see the same people, even if it is Johnny, whatever he calls himself. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's more of that going on. It was just, yeah, it was everything Gareth would say about GW. It was shindy. The, like I say, the arena didn't look great. The matches weren't great. I did get a you flag, know. though. I did get a flag. I got a GCW flag to go on my uh, display to continue my alleged GCW fandom. I will say, you know, there's nothing to say about the undercard or anything like that. I got no to see Matt Cardona in GCW. No, I assume he can't That's go to Vegas. That's the only thing, like, that... that no Briscoes only... either, we were announced before, but I know they've got a family thing going on. The only reason that I would have wanted to go to this show and the only reason I had FOMO is I do want to see Nick Gage yeah. so knowing that he wasn't even there I'm like alright then yeah I don't think but to be honest what's GCW got to offer other than that really these days and that's from someone who very much enjoyed the shows a couple of years ago but I will say they had the deathmatch main event me and uh, Steve stuck around for that Cole Radrick and uh, and Rina uh, Yamashita against uh, Alex Colin and John Wayne Murdoch uh, Carl will be glad to know I was a big fan of Rina I thought she was great to be honest she was the absolute uh, star of it um, as far as like being creative with like the uh, the deathmatch tropes and stuff and you know giving it a little bit of charisma and having a bit of presence there so took some photos of the carnage maybe i'll put them in there in the show notes after but that kind of made it worth it but it didn't feel like i was at a gcw show it didn't feel like i was at an important indie it was just a show yeah. so yeah you you did not miss out i think max mm-hmm. cast the night before which we talked about on the page show was the uh probably the highlight of the weekend as far as non-proper <laughs> aw shows we well, went to but other than all the stuff we did that was nothing to do with <laughs> that was probably 
probably the best part, yeah. I mean, <laughs> wrestling like, was in the way in the end, right? People would have had a better time following us around with the camera if they wanted <laughs> some extracurricular activities, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, we should have been following around, and this is probably the first major news story we should talk about, and we can tie it in. We'll give some uh, belated uh, double or nothing live thoughts as we go through it. We should have uh, should have been taking a camera around looking for MJF. That was kind of yeah. the point of our biggest day, wasn't it? Like, trying to track down where Max was in the, uh, in the casino tell you what, in the Mandalay like, Bay. I was at at the at the till paying for an amazing handbag and Benno goes to me, MJF, he's he didn't turn up as meet and greet. <laughs> he's he's apparently getting a plane out of out of Vegas and it was like the biggest, you know, story that mm. you could um it was just such a huge story. I don't even know where you wanna start with what to say about it? Yeah, it's just, I mean, from the start, really, even now, like, you know, tonight there's still reports coming out about, you know, whether how much is a shoot, how much is, is it work and yeah. stuff. I mean, from being, like, around the place, you know, I think I saw, we didn't run into him while we were there, but we saw Snowboy post, like, a picture of MJF storming off, having an angry conversation with somebody at one point at the, at the Mandalay Bay, and then, obviously, the details came out through the week. We were there live at Double or Nothing for the, the squash, which feels like, you know, 50 years ago now. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought was funny. Like, me and you watched, since we've got back, we watched, uh, we watched Dynamite that we were at in L.A., with the the NJF promo, which you know we'll get into, and then we kind of watched it in reverse order. We we watched after that we watched the 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 squash with Wardlow, mm-hmm. and it was quite funny. Like just looking at it, going like when we were live, that felt massive. You know Wardlow coming out there and just yeah. killing MJF, and it was so obviously you know one a message for MJF, but two it worked for the Wardlow story, and Wardlow should have been the story of the week. Mm-hmm. But rewatching it on TV, it's so obvious how like. Wardlow was just what was he? What was he doing on? Who was he throwing around on uh, on dynamite? Um, um, what's he your, called? Your Mark Sterling, and MJF is the talk of the town with the with the promo and stuff. Like, it's just, it's an insane story, and it's. I was on with you know from our hotel in L- in LA when you were uh, <laughs> sick in bed. We were, um, <laughs> you know, I was on with John with John and Wayne. We were talking about it there and talking about how like MJF is kind of. It's almost like that loss didn't happen now. It's almost like it's kind of undone the real story they should have been telling mm-hmm. and instead we're all focused on MJF we're all focused on whether it was a work whether it was a shoot you know the promo which was don't get me wrong was fucking incredible to experience live um, shout out to Prof- Professor uh, Chris Ely who uh, helped us uh, sort our tickets for, uh, for, that, for that dynamite or at least me and like you know it was great to be there and it felt like you're a part of wrestling history but a week later now, looking at it all, it's just a bit like, mm, do they really need this right now? If it is a work now, is it, is it the right thing to do? Because, I don't know, I don't know if it's saving Wardlow. I don't know if it really saves if it's MJF because he kind of, you know, from all I've experienced in LA at the forum, he was basically the babyface at the end of that. Like, what's the point? What are we getting out of it? Well, so obviously it was not a work at the beginning in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, MJF missing the meet and greet and then some stuff that we just read you know that Sean was up fight for saying people were like actually concerned mm. they're going to bust him in the hotel room to get mm. him then obviously he decided to show up for the pay-per-view he yeah. did not get on that flight the flight was ever booked 
and then he got squashed by Wardlow definitively you know neck brace on stretcher job mm. um, and the fans were really against him mm. um, at the pay-per-view it was actually incredible like um, he, when he came out him coming out first was a really good idea mm. but please no more DraftKings ads <laughs> like please do the DraftKings ad like after the first match or something because you get the pay-per-view fireworks go off and everyone's like, right, it's time for the pay-per-view. And then at like a revolution, there was this silence for like five minutes and it turned out it was DraftKings effort and then there was Judas and it was the same here and there was MJF's music. And it's like the one into another pop for those musics would have been so much better than that time waiting while we hear DraftKings advert. I just gotta say, like, Tony, please. I don't know, I think it built up anticipation. No, I don't think it does. I think it's bad. I think it's bad, bad, bad to, like, to plug something straight off the bat mm. when there should be a sense of urgency of we are live on pay-per-view, anything can happen, let's go. Because if it's... If, it, it, if things are real and you have that urgency, like... You know, that person, MJF, he's waiting there to go out to have to say to him, can you wait for the DraftKings advert? Is no. Like, go for it. That's what I think. Okay. Boo DraftKings. Anyway, the crowd were, like, so against him, more so than I saw them in in Chicago and more so than I saw them at Revolution, which is something. And obviously he played into it with the airplane stuff. Mm -hmm. But... It seemed like that loss was so definitive and Wardlow had a great moment, Mm -hmm. um, though they didn't have him speak mm. it was kind of weird it was Tony was just like you're all elite now Wardlow and that was it probably the you best know? though he's not the best talker is he well he needs to be pushed to do those things he had yeah. a couple of good talking moments that's true but I, I think Wardlow the, the act was like pretty much our entire trip you know the Dynamite Rampage you talked about on Patreon into the pay-per-view and to a lesser extent I would say the Dynamite after like, he's just over well, being well, low, isn't he? We'll like, get, we'll get yeah. there, obviously, but he's super, super over. Like He was, but, like, this, like it's it's fragile at the minute because of this stuff with Max. Because, yeah. So you have Wardlow absolutely squash him. Mm-hmm. And then Wardlow, you know, he doesn't get his moment of saying anything, whether that's for the best or not. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. I think he's handsome enough to be able to carry being a <laughs> yeah, You saw him knocking around the casinos. He is a, I he will is say a, he's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. But then... You know, there's the reports that Tony and MJF are going to, you know, talk about things after Vegas. And then we get to the LA Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And whatever is going on now, what MJF was allowed to do at the LA Dynamite, I'm not sure is the best thing mm-hmm. for anyone but MJF. And I'll say that as someone who... You fucking loved it, like. I, I, I loved that promo, like. I'll say, like, how I feel about what Max has done. I don't support, like, how he's got about it. I think it's a really risky game he's played acting like this. Mm. And I don't support anyone that wants to go to WWE, honestly. But um, his grievance of feeling underpaid um, based on how he was brought in and, like, the pay increases and how he's risen in the company, I completely support. And what worked on Dynamite... Like, I was always, you know, cheering him for his his promo just because I don't want MJF to leave AEW, and I think MJF's great. But 
him bringing up the, you know, if I was an ex-WWE guy and what you're paying those ex-WWE guys, as someone that's hardcore AEW like me, I support Max in that grievance because there's some people in that locker room mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't pay a dollar to wrestle. Yeah. Um, who I've been watching for years. Yeah. That are not, like, it would be so interesting to know how much... I don't want to name any names, but okay. Let's let's say how much is Johnny Elite getting paid right now, Ooh, and well, compare MJF. that to MJF, and like MJF is way more valuable. Well, the, the best examples are the ones that were floated. You know, Christian, who Christian, Mister, yeah. Mr. No My Thoughts on, or like Mark Henry. That's the one that like I was expecting on that promo from to mention the words because if it's true that Mark Henry is getting paid more than MJF, something's out of whack. There is not like. The, the whole idea of when it comes to like the the older ex-WWE guys, mm. there is no one that Mark Henry Christian and um, the Big Show are bringing in that Jericho didn't bring in. Yeah. Like, that's... I, I honestly think if you're that kind of, like, you know, WWE watcher and if it, if it takes a WWE name from, like, a certain time to get you in, um, I don't think it's going to be done with any of them, especially because Mark Henry and Big Show aren't wrestling, and Christian, you know, never rose as high. Yeah. I think like like we're over that argument. It's like, it's of, those that you need people. But it's probably not just them. It's probably Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy. Yeah. It's probably but Andrade. I'm saying, like, it's these probably people, Tommy the, the like, if you want to take legends to bring people, if you if your company that has Chris Jericho and Sting. Mm. There's no one else who is around that age group and stings like ten years older than Jericho, but you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That could bring anyone else in because there's no one sitting at home. No offense to him, pining for Mark Henry. Yeah, you know it. It just doesn't happen. And then yeah, you have like Matt Hardy can now like be justified through Edge. There are some people that you can't be justified. Like if you want to talk about how much is is Christian getting paid or how much is um. Matt Hardy getting paid like I wonder how much Tony Nese is getting paid mm. you know it, it, or what they were brought in at the in the beginning compared to MJF it's basic like it's like in any sport and Tony Khan knows better than anyone you know wage structures and sports and stuff and like you know you want to once you upset that it becomes a problem once you start you know okay we're going to break our wage structure to bring in let's say CM Punk who's 100% worth it but you know, yeah. once you start doing that, other people get annoyed. I think it's, it's a bit like like a lot of the pushback I got because I think the big thing about this MJF stuff is basically he's right. Basically, he we all right. agree with him. Basically, in the promo, you can tell that everyone in the building agree with him. As yeah. soon as he it mentioned those X W D B, so hard in the building. Yeah, those X W. As soon as he brings up the X W D B names, everyone agrees with that. Everyone thinks you know they they built it into the story. You know, the Hangman Punk story was kind of built around you know animosity towards these XWWE guys coming in and who the AW originals are and, and such but it it does speak to kind of things being a bit messy in AW right now and I think you can trace it back to Cody leaving you can you know because I think MJF probably one of Cody's boys boo yeah I know he's feeling on Cody we'll get to that but like yeah I just think I've seen people say, "Well, you can't. This is all on MJF. You can't blame AEW for the situation they're in." I think you can. No, I think this, I, I this think situation shouldn't have come to a head here. It should have been dealt with already. MJF shouldn't be that level of unhappy if it and is there, a shoot. There are too many ex WWE guys. Yeah, we could like, all see that as a problem. Too many guys. There's that. too many guys, but there's definitely too many ex WWE guys, and I think like from the beginning. 
there was like a pushback on this idea that that they were gonna have a lot of ex WWE guys because you you only had Jericho and Moxley. Yeah. And Jericho Moxley Sting, who I'm not saying is an ex WWE guy, but whatever. And of course CM Punk, like that is a perfect <laughs> crop of ex WWE guys to have. It's these other ones like. I feel bad for the guy, but just the fact that they that that dynamite where they brought in the now Johnny Elite is like what the heck? Yeah, there's got to be other people who can use. When that there's people time. being really like you take um, Athena Ember Moon coming in, mm-hmm. no problem with that at all. Do you have to stretch to John Morrison? No, like mm-hmm. you really don't. And then the other person who I think I would not pay at all to wrestle I may give him a couple of dollars to retire is Jay Lethal uh, <laughs> no he's not an ex WWE guy but like in a way he's worse yeah. because he never even got to that level I think like I've, I know I've mentioned this before but it was a joke when Jay Lethal came to this company and he was at the Full Gear press conference and he turns to the media and he's like like can you believe guys I never wrestled Chris Jericho why because you never, ever got to a company <laughs> where that was possible. Because you were always, to use an MJF word, mid or below. He was always in the same company. He was always in ROH, wasn't he? And, um, uh, well, in TNA too. But like, there, there is nothing to be gained from him being there. Yeah. And if I was MJF, like, I would want to know how much that man is being paid. And if he is being paid anything close to what yeah. I am or more than me... <laughs> Even, even the same number furious. of figures. Even if that it's just the same number of figures. Like, yeah. and it, but it's just hard. Like I love AEW so much, but they need to put breaks on hiring because they're hiring so many ex-WWE guys that it's like, how are they even having the time or the wherewithal to find the next Jungle Boy, the next Darby Allen, the people that we, when this company started, we were not saying, oh, we want to see... Um, Chris Jericho versus John Moxley again. We want to see, you know, um, Chris Jericho versus Billy Gunn. I'm trying to think of who, like, the original WWE guys. We were like, no, oh my God, it's going to be like Jericho versus Darby Allen. That's going to be crazy. Or like versus MJF or versus like, you know, people that, Jungle Boy, that are new to us. Mm. And like, I want that kind of like, spare it back. It's just, there's so many. And I love Adam Cole, and I have no problem with the former Undisputed Era, but the idea of, like, redoing even NXT stuff, you know, like... Tony on the sly loves from NXT, doesn't he? I know, but, like... Joe, even. Like, I love Joe. But if this yeah. is the thing, I think, with all of the people who come in, because it's, it's kind of the same conversation as MJF, but it's a different conversation, too, with every single individual, and we said this on Grapple a few times with people, oh, I can justify that. But you can't justify the whole, can you? Like it is, it is a bit messy and it is a bit of a sloppy shop. And I do think the the I, end... I don't want Tony to end up with a wardrobe full of secondhand clothes, most of which have, <laughs> have holes in them. When he could go out and get some nice, shiny new things that will last him a long time. Well, my point was going to be like to the MJF stuff. I do think the roots of this are in Cody, and I know people are sick of talking about it, but like I do think losing Cody. It wasn't as simple as, ah, well, you know, it was to be, you know, we won't have to pay him anymore, whatever, you know, Tony comes out smelling of roses. No. I think you lose someone who was that ingrained in the fabric of the company. It's like any sports, any, any football team, you know, the people who were 
Cody's boys and the people who, you know, he was mentoring, the Ricky Starks of the world, other people in that locker room, it's going to cause upset when someone like that leaves and people are going to be looking at, oh, look how well he's doing in WWE, which is allegedly part of this whole thing with MJF as well. I think it was never a simple story, that one, and it was never as simple as, ah, oh, they'll be fine without him. I think it's going to continue to have knock-on effects. I, I mean, this will too. The, Co- the Cody thing is, is extremely bad and I think that it was like quickly kind of, <clears throat> forgotten uh, about like within like the general conversation I think having, they couldn't keep an EVP happy with the level one of privilege having your leave was really really bad and I um, I'm more in the side where like I blame Cody I think yeah, Cody, I, I, I honestly think Cody ruined everything he, he literally ruined like the origin story of AEW I think Cody thinks way too highly of himself and I think that I will be proven right in the end with this WWE one but we will talk about Cody we will talk about Cody later but the the Cody Cody leaving was a very bad thing and yes he is going to have his followers Hmm. and I wish Max was smart enough not to be a follower of that man but do you wonder who he's listening to who he's taking advice from for all this stuff there's no one in that AW locker room that would have advised him to no-show meet and greet and do this. Yeah. There's no one, because the people that are... Like, the the only people worth listening to in the AW locker room are the high-up people, mm-hmm. and they love Tony. Mm-hmm. Well, know? yeah, that's true. I, and I was going to say, I mean, if we are, you know, going to, you know, Dynamite this week, you know, going through MGF, MGF's week, if we are at the point that it's away... Is it worthwhile? Like, what? What's the end goal? Like, Tony Khan comes that's on the TV as a more prominent character. Like, what, what the end game is because Tony becoming a character is not a good idea. MJF's a babyface now. I don't think that's a good idea ever either because he's literally the best heel. He wins the title. Maybe we're going to get into that. We'll get we'll get into my thoughts on the interim title thing, but that's a, that's the problem. Like, what is the end game? Like, he went out in dynamite. And he said, "Fire me, you fucking Mark." And yeah. like he's been removed from all the advertising, they've taken down his his merch and stuff. So is he on ice for a couple of weeks? But then even, or f- until the end of his contract, let's say. But even then, they gave him like this hot promo where he was like really pipe bomb esque thing, and yeah, um, which again was amazing to witness live. Yeah, it it was dealt with on its own. Like it was a great promo. I didn't love, uh, you know, the references to stuff like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't drop people on the head. It's like, hang on, I thought we were supposed to win wrestling matches here. Why is it a good thing you don't drop people on the head? There's a couple of, like, proper That's the only line I would have cut out. But I will say, um, MJF, sometimes the content is not all there. You always say this. He, I always say this. MJF has the best promo delivery in the history of professional wrestling. He never stutters. He never, mis- like, stumbles over a word like I'm doing here. He never does any of that. His delivery is so, so, so smooth. He has the best delivery in the history of wrestling. Go watch old Ric Flair promos. It's, like, out of his mind, like, stumbling over words. The Rock does it as well. Like, everyone just fluffs up on live TV except MJF. And if MJF, like, if something happens here and he doesn't want to wrestle for a while or he can't get out of his contract for wrestling, he should go into acting because his delivery... I'm sure MJF could walk on the set of any film, learn a script in five minutes and deliver his lines with no problem because he is that good um, I think delivering promos. I think realistically at this point I'm firmly in the camp that we're into work territory. I don't understand what the benefit is. Other than, you know, we've got a great segment on TV that unfortunately undone the last 
nine months of build with Wardlow because I, I do think the it... problem is Wardlow right now because yeah. he was not given enough on on dynamite. This should have sent him off first if you're going to do this. Yes. Give, give Wardlow his moment and then do him Jeff. Wardlow coming out later in the show. It's not like it was a wet fart when he came out, but it wasn't. He wasn't over to the level he was. But the, the, now the problem is like. <sighs> when we'll get into the interim title stuff, but now we have another thing happening that is, like, upsetting mm. the balance of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and But this is the time to capitalize on Wardlow. Like, the build to Wardlow versus MJF has been from the beginning of AEW. Mm. And, like, what we've seen, what we saw Revolution then, like, leading to this. Mm. You know, Wardlow is the guy that you have to put some effort into now. And... Max did the job for him, but he, whether intentionally or not, completely stole his thunder. Yeah. And Wardlow's never, ever going to be able to promo like Max is, but that's why you have to protect him and give him things. Those guys, it's like what I say about Hangman Page. I don't think that Hangman Page was treated in the proper way as a champion because Hangman is not... um, it, like he's not Jericho in the mic he doesn't have Moxie's aura and he doesn't have Kenny's like general Kenny-ness either something had to be done to um, protect him and make him seem like a star in the way that he can't do it for himself and those other guys can mm. and that wasn't done for him mm. and Wardlow needs that protection too yeah agreed um, but yeah I guess we'll see as more stuff comes out on MJF yeah. as the the week goes on but I suppose the the other big you know news story from AW over you know the last week we've been away and you know saw, saw a lot of it happen and saw a bit of it happen on team when we got, when we got back is the you know Hamman Page Punk stuff into Punk now being a what, what champion a, he's, he's the champion I suppose There's gonna he's be the champ yeah apparently he's still the champ he didn't uh, relinquish the belt he did not relinquish apparently. the belt apparently um, yeah that's the other big news story this week what a fucking whirlwind so we get to we got to sit there at Double or Nothing live mm-hmm. so CM Punk win the world title and uh, what was live a fantastic match with uh, with uh, with Handman Page, um, I've actually been a bit surprised with the grapple rating since. But our, our live bias is definitely uh, speaking. Yeah. There's uh, things that uh, maybe we enjoyed about the match that didn't maybe translate to TV. But you know, look at Punk's week. You know, you go from from that high, you know, the big moments after, you know, with the belt and and FDR and such, into this dynamite on Wednesday that we were also out. You know, he comes out in teams with FTR. He looked bad from the start. Like, that was rough to watch. You know, it's like, you, as soon as he came out and he did the stage dive, which, I mean, it, it was fun the first time. Like, his whole, oh, I'm going to stage dive all that stuff is so fucking lame. Like, it, I don't know why he thinks it's such a cool thing to do. If Phil's listening, I don't kind of sign this. It's Carry fucking, on. I just, 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 whatever. So he does it, hurts himself, and, like, I've seen people say, you know, oh, no, no, he wasn't hurt. He definitely was. Like, just what being able to watch him from the arena... You could see there was something wrong as he was yeah, walking back to the ring. Yeah, there was something wrong from the beginning. Then in the match, you know, slipping up on the top rope and then, you know, the, the other kind of uh, shitty bodies, <laughs> the crappy powerbomb, all, all that stuff. It wasn't a great first impression um, for Punk as, uh, as AEW champion. I know Punk's always been, you know, that little bit sloppy, um, which is not really, you know, ever affected my opinion on him, but it is, it is something people beat him with. 
but you go from that to, to Rampage where yeah he comes out and he announces that he's uh, that he's well we thought he was announcing that he was no longer AEW champion it turned out he was just announcing there was going to be an interim champion felt like he was rushed into it felt like the promotion was rushed into it because what well, a, they were what a fucking mess that was like we were watching this live trying to make sense of what the fuck was going on and I had COVID <laughs> you did have COVID if you yeah, want to so mention that Punk comes out and he he gives the, well firstly his tweet made it sound like he might be retiring or something his oh tweet, yeah I was his, terrified wasn't I? his tweet was too dramatic that it was too, too dramatic mm. and then um, he comes out and he explains what's wrong with him he didn't even specify what his injury is but it appears to be his foot but he, he didn't go into specifics and then he said he was going to give up the title, but like Tony said, no. But then he, he didn't actually say, like, I'm still the champion or whatever. He he did not explicitly state that an interim title was happening or anything like that. He just he said, I'll be back. But that's okay, because I don't think that's his job. Okay, I mean, but... You know, he's emotional. It's, you know, you want that real moment. But he, him not explaining it, it then wasn't explained to the commentators, because then, like, as we go to, go to break... Like Jericho in a serious voice says, like CM Punk has relinquished the AEW title. So we're at home, like what? And then he, we come back from break, and he repeats himself. So in that time of the break, like I, I think, you know, it's, he made a mistake once. That's okay, but someone should have said to him mm. during the break that you got it wrong, and like we need to clarify this. But they didn't. He was allowed to say it twice, so that made it seem even more definite. Every. Every wrestling journalist person on Twitter was tweeting a different thing because yeah. of these opinions. Um, and you have people like the, the only thing is you have fans going, "Well, I understood the pivot." It's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because none of us did. None of us did. It was like, okay, so what? There's a battle royal, and then Moxley, who wasn't the number one because it was Wardlow in the in the rankings, but he is now allegedly the number one. When are they wrestling? Is it Forbidden Door? Is it on that same dynamite? Who's going to be the other end of the bracket? It was a fucking mess. I think. I think. But the idea in itself is messy. But I think what they were planning on doing is having Punk come out, cut the emotional promo. What they needed to do was tell their commentators, speculate, we're going to leave it open-ended, yeah. we're going to answer it on Dynamite, what's going to happen? Instead, Jericho put his foot in his fucking mouth and then there wasn't they, the announcers clearly didn't have the information to express what was happening and then Excalibur... And this is this is typical Rampage, this is typical AEW. They've got hundred and one things to do. He's got matches to sell for future. He's got a paper he's got he's got a main event he's trying he's trying to sell and, and give you detail on. And then in thirty seconds he's trying to explain what the setup is here and this convulted battle royal versus Moxley versus uh, yeah. Presume we didn't even know at that point. Presumably Tanahashi for Bindor, but that bit was left blank. Oh, people were like jumping in my mentions, mentioning Tanahashi before like the Tanahashi. His name wasn't mentioned. That on TV. was never. But the the mistake that the mistake that was made, um, mm. with saying that Punk was relinquishing it, like that was only made because of per direction given to the commentary. Like this all should have been ironed out. If they if they for some reason want to kayfabe the commentators and not tell them what Punk is actually going to do, they have to, you know, say something to them, like just speculate on what's happened, like don't say anything definite or whatever. It's just... It was just messy. But I... So I 100% support doing an interim title. Like that's what I wanted them to do because I don't want Punk's to have this like three day reign or whatever however yeah. long it was I think that's really shitty um, and especially because it, like it looks like I'm sure he's going to be back for all in or they wouldn't be doing an interim title but this the way they're going about this is terrible like firstly 
Um, so you've, you've picked Moxley, who's allegedly your number one contender. Yes. Right, cool. So he just gets that buy-in, and then the other people have to go to Battle Royal. We don't know who's going to be in this Battle Royal, but it better be the top people. It better not be, like, their first Battle Royal that give us Han- Hangman Page as a contender against Jericho, because that was that was not the way to get yourself into a world title match. That Battle Royal was No so legs, bad. no. Couldn't, uh, couldn't yeah. be a champion. Yeah, th- this has to be, like, le- legit people in this Battle Royal. And Hangman, obviously, isn't going to be in it because he has a match in the Dynamite, so okay. And then... For them, for no reason, we have two Japanese wrestlers fighting to be the other opponent. I don't understand that at all. So you're you're creating an interim title because the man in your in your company who lives in America cannot defend it for however many weeks. So what we're we're expected to believe you're going to put it on someone that lives in Japan and works for a Japanese company like yeah. that that does not make sense to me at all. And then, so. I think that it should be like it, if we're gonna have Moxley, like Moxley or Battle World winner versus like they literally should have just repeated that thing again with the number two person in the rankings, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. and then also when it comes to mm-hmm. who I think is gonna win the title, I would honestly only either put it on Moxley or Jericho because anyone else getting this, it, it's like it's not it's you haven't really won the world title, so it's gonna just ruin their moment of actually winning it if you put it on like throw out any name like a Wardlow at MJF Darby Allen like whoever's never had it like this I just think kind of ruins their moment of like actually achieving that so there's only two guys I wouldn't go back to Hangman this soon because this person will have to have a match with Punk and we've just had that so there's only two guys in this company that I would put the title on mm-hmm. and I don't think the title's going on either I, of the two of them I'd stretch that to Brian no. But like I know why I know you know to your logic you know your first time champion, no Brian's for, Brian's first time should be a huge deal <laughs> but it I could see him carrying like the interim title deal defending against all comers coming no, out to have like a punk convention well you know that that's a guy I mean it's not going to happen because it looks like he's out for a couple of weeks with a concussion or whatever but my biggest point is like really what's the fucking rush like why why are we hammering this out on a rampage and then rushing out a press release the next day and trying to get this all done and then like in a backwards back kind of back door our way into making it part of forbidden door getting fucking Goto involved who's like if you guys was when you <laughs> listen to me when i used to come on for new japan stuff Fuck Goto. He is the most boring person <laughs> in the world. And he's a pathetic man. Like, Goto's... If you asked me, explain Goto's character, I would say a pathetic, put-upon man. Some kind of cuck. <laughs> I, I do not support Goto being anywhere near this. He is so, but I've spoken, so pathetic. But they made that a storyline. It's not necessarily issue, but it kind of is too. But that's the thing. That's the level he is at in New Japan. And you can say, oh, well, you know, New Japan got to choose... Because I think Meltzer's reported that New Japan got to choose when that end of the bracket. One, they shouldn't fucking have an end of the bracket. But two, you tell them to fuck off. Like, you know... I don't I, know why they're involved <laughs> in this match. What's the rush? But it comes down to what's the rush, because I was going to say, you know... It, it sounds silly to do Tanahashi Okada. You know, that's a big match. Can AEW force New Japan to do it? Probably not. However, it's a match that's been done a million times. You're not really losing it by doing it again. And it adds stakes to this. You can get away with that. Once you put Goto in, it starts to get silly. Tanahashi being in is kind of silly on its own. The whole thing it's, is it's just totally a mess. It's totally silly. But, like, for me, like... And I'll just get... For me, it's like... <sighs> yeah, you could have taken time... 
you didn't need to do this before Forbidden Door, I don't think. It almost no. gave you an out of Forbidden Door because yeah. you then don't have to worry about the politics of you possibly your champion losing or whatever. We can do a tournament on TV. Can we do something with, let's say, the top five rankings matter? Can we do something with the, the top five? Can we do something where it's like a, a round robin series or something like that? Can we take, you know, I'm thinking on the fly, can we just take a week? To think about what we're going to do or and come up with a plan. Or can we just make it Moxley versus Jericho so nobody loses their world title moment? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that would work. Because as if either of those two couldn't carry it based on their current storyline, of course they could. Mm. Just put on the two of them. You literally haven't lost anything. They're both former world champions. It doesn't upset the status quo in any way. I'll take that. There we go. Yeah. And CM Punk can have a great match with either of them. Yeah, I just think there's a million better ways to do this. Even just doing the battle royal on its own, if you have to, you know, I just don't get the Moxie thing. I don't get why Warzone's been pushed out. I don't get why they messed around with the rankings. I don't know why they rushed it out, and I don't know why Goto was involved. There's just so many questions in in this. It's a bad situation they're in, um, but like I just think there was a million, million better solutions. But I mean, I suppose we should talk. But you know, tied in with that, you know, obviously. Yeah, Punk did actually win the AW title in the last week and we, we were there live. Any particular thoughts on that? I thought it was a very good match. Um, mm. I thought the crowd was interestingly split. People near us. That's just where we were. Near it, Punk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was crazy, my God. Um, but no, I thought, it, I thought it was a very good match. I still think the build was bad, that they just needed more. Yeah. I think they they waited too long to to start the build yeah. to it. And part of that was that COVID week, wasn't it, when Hangman was out? I know, but yeah, I, COVID, I, I would have like been you... on like week three of that by the time Hangman had COVID. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do do this, don't they? It's like it's like the whole whole team. <coughs> oh shit! There's a baby coming up. That's what they're like. They're like when you think that you have loads of time to do something, mm. and then. <laughs> By the time you start, you're like, oh no, there's only two weeks left. Like, you're talking about recording this podcast? Yeah. Because <laughs> we did that all day today. It's like, when does Tony Khan start his Christmas shopping? The 20th of December. But I tell you what, he's been thinking about it from like October 1st. <laughs> and he's just been telling himself he's got loads of time. Um, I, I think as well, it's like, you saw about the split crowd and that was a shock to me. Like, I just being there live, that was one of the biggest live notes. Yeah. And I like, it's, it's funny now, the punk... Is the champion, but kind of isn't the champion. You know, I put on Twitter, you know, how ecstatic I was and we were after the match, you know, mm-hmm. and like it was amazing to be there for a big punk win. I made a right show of myself. <laughs> we both did, and we missed the flight the next day. But like, I don't know, there's something just feels wrong about it all to me. It's like I'm 95% made up, 5% is like. This, so it's like this story they told with Punk and, MJ, with Punk and um, Hangman. Like, the story there is, you know, there was something there it just didn't get fleshed out in time for the pay-per-view. However, that didn't matter. Once they got in the ring and the two incredible wrestlers who can tell that story within the confines of a match, they're that good. It was almost like I forgot about it in the building. I was just enjoying the match and enjoying them telling that story of the old-school Punk versus the new-school Hangman and doing all of that stuff. But... At the end of the day, I think that's for that story to work, it kind of needs a punk to turn at the end because now I feel it's, it's almost poisoned the water. Like, this happy moment of punk winning the title, I still think we're all still thinking about, especially with the MJF stuff going on, we're still thinking about 
Mohammed did actually make a good point. Is this a change in, in, in what AEW is supposed to be? Is it you know is it a little bit dirty that this the punks come in and now he's the AEW champion? You know all those negatives Sandman pointed out about Punk true, and unless Punk is turning at some point, I don't know if it benefited him to knock people over the head with it and remind people of. Colt Cabana and remind people that there's probably people no backstage. One said Colt no, but I think it was. I think that was the implication from Hangman's stuff about how you know Punk only cares about himself. He doesn't care about you know, you know the, the the locker room or whatever. I just think that's it. Made people think about that stuff, even if it wasn't explicitly said. And because the story wasn't properly padded out, and because it just ended with Punk babyface wins, and Hangman's disappeared off TV for the time being. I don't know, there's just that little niggling part of me that wants to just be so happy it happened and I was there and believe me, I am. I'm so glad we booked to go to that pay-per-view. I'm so glad I came with you to see it and got to see it live. I got to see Punk, you know, live three or four times through the week. That isn't lost on me and was just an amazing experience. But there's just something eating at me that feels a little bit wrong about it all. Um, I think um, as far as Hangman, like the problem is Hangman had like the most amazing journey to getting the title. Mm. And it's interesting how Tony books because he's like so meticulous about things like who I want to be, my first five champions, whatever. Mm. But I honestly don't think that he had a proper plan, proper thought out plan for Hangman once he became champion. Past the Brian because, matches. Because the Brian yeah. matches were great and they were a peak. He had the Brian matches and then it was like Archer and Adam Cole. Yeah. I really do think, like I honestly think that he should have feuded with Jericho like for one match to go back to that original story mm. for Hangman to say, like, you know, I'm the champ now, and for him to say, well, you still never beat me, mm. um, and that's what you couldn't do, and because, like, him losing that match sent him on this whole journey. And then, once he had done that, that would have led perfectly into the story with Punk. Mm. Then, after doing that, like, he could have been, like, he vanquished, like, an ex-WWE guy, and then the next challenger is punk yeah. an ex-WWE guy and it would have like blended so nicely into the stuff he was saying about punk and it would have built this other like layer to the hangman character where all of a sudden he was believing in himself as the the AEW guy and the people that were coming at him were these ex-WWE guys that he could have these complaints about. I feel like when he started this promo promoing with Punk, it was like out of nowhere. It was like a change in, in his character. Yeah. And it was like, why, why are you saying these things about Punk? Came out of nowhere. You could have even kept Adam Cole there, though Adam Cole has like less of, of a claim to like be in that spot. Mm. But if you had just given him like that a, a big challenger like that, that he had history something with mm. before who would have been the perfect like preview to him going into the thing with Punk and Punk being the one that beats him I think that would have been better I just I don't know I just think like Hangman's reign they just he he was he's so built on the stories he can tell rather than the promos he can deliver and he does always deliver in the ring and I think that they just missed by giving him Stories, I think because Kenny left, yeah, they missed finding other ways to carry on that story of who he was. I think, I mean, we're going to be doing it definitely like we did with Kenny, we're going to be doing a deep cut on the Hangman title reign, and it does feel a little bit like a bit of a the Briar matches were incredible, 
but it was yeah. a B rain after that. He was never the most important part of the show. And when it came to the punk feud where it felt like he was going to be, that was undercooked. And then he lost the title. And I just think he looks a bit like a chump now. And it's going to be so interesting when he lands on the card going forward. Like, what what, what, what happens like next with him? What I really wanted to, to ask Tony was... Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think the answer to this would have been no. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, to, to ask him if it was hard for him to make the decision to end Hangman's Reign because Hangman's Reign was the story you told from day one. Like... He's the main the, character the, of AEW, isn't he? he Even if he's not the main character on TV, <laughs> he was the main character because he's the person. It's like when you when he was in the tag match with Kenny, when he was facing Kenny, when he finally won the title, he's the person that you're still thinking about that first moment where he didn't win the title. Like you're always hearkening back to that, and with other people, like what they did like two years ago, like we're not still thinking about it or whatever. Like, hmm. but Hangman, that was all. That was all one long form story. And I think that, like, if I was, if I was booking, mm. for me, the hardest person to take the belt off would be Hangman, mm. because you're putting an end to something. Yeah. Like, you're putting an end to, like, even if it's just volume one of his story, like, you're putting an end to that story you told at the first, you know, in the first title match. Mm. And it is, like, this is now where you couldn't put like the new chapter of AEW and I would find that really hard and I think instead Tony was like oh my god it's CM Punk so of course I'm going to put the belt on CM Punk probably had a long term plan and he probably ripped it up you know once, once he got Punk yeah he, he may have had in his head the idea that Hangman wins the title and then the opponents he faces which you know like could have been my suggestion to people from his past yeah. and then had an idea for another guy that was maybe like an MJF or a Darby Allen or whatever mm. but once Punk came into this company, mm. Punk was always going to be the next champion. I felt like... I think they, they fell into the, the <coughs> Sorry, bad COVID. spot with this Hangman stuff, where it should have... Because we were saying this at the time, like he probably could have got away with a homicide title run. You probably could have got away with He loses it relatively quickly. Or you could get away with him having a long, proper run. I in- always thought instead. he was going to have a long run, and everyone told me no, but I always thought that Cinderella's story like, it has to be a long run. We did, so instead we got something in the middle and like you know you get those like New Japan do it a lot where you get that B run before the proper run and maybe it's proper run still to come but yeah I don't know just feels a but bit underwhelming that's the thing like you know they they don't book short term champions which is a good thing mm. and I just feel like I, I don't know I like it, it will be interesting the next couple of months will show us where Hangman maybe there's a great story to be told you know maybe gets bitter about champion. it Maybe, you know, not necessarily saying he turns heel, but they do something with it. But, and it becomes the catalyst for whatever he does next. But my issue, or my, my question there, mm. is like, where does he fit within the show? Because the other former champions, mm. you know, Kenny's not here. Mm. But like Moxie and Jericho, like, name value and... At least one of those per- people will always push their segments. Mm-hmm. And Hangman, with what I was saying before, with why Hangman needed some protection because he doesn't have that, like that forcefulness, mm-hmm. makes me think that he will slip down the card through both the fault of like the booking and him himself not being an advocate enough. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see, but it'll be, yeah, it's just 
Yeah, I don't know. There's just something that sits a bit wrong about it all, about that being the end of that story. But, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe we'll see where we go. But I suppose we're, we're, we're bouncing around there. We've hit the two main news stories from AW over the last week. I mean, again, it is not worth us doing a, a full double or nothing review. You got that from, from Gareth and Massey last week, and it's been quite a bit of, bit of time now for it. But she's going to say, like, you know, overall highlights from, from being at the show before we got into Dynamite. I think there's probably one place you want to start. The anarchy in the arena. <laughs> it was great. It was great Amazing. to watch that. It was so, so good. So, uh, will I tell our story of watching the match? Yeah, I mean, la- the live perspective. I-, I think we had, the. I mean, getting to see the show live well, was incredible in itself. But this match, I think, was a, <coughs> the best experience live. Yeah, absolutely. So, firstly, I have to give like massive shout out to this arena in Las Vegas. It was amazing, mm. best arena I've been to in the whole world. Mm. And it, I like to like take breaks during shows. This was great. I had like an outdoor area, everything. Mm. So we had been taking a break, and then I think we were at the merch stand, mm. and we saw the entire Blackpool Combat Club getting ready to do their entrance bit. So they were in the um, what do you call that bit of the arena? Not just about the concessions and stuff, right? But yeah, it's just about like around the concessions, mm. um, and they were all there. They were so in the zone, and like fans were crowding around them. Kingston was a hundred percent the most over. Like Moxie and Danielson were there, but everyone was chanting for Eddie. And they were all like just hyping each other up, you mm. know. And then they all separated off to go to their different doors at the top of the um, at the arena to do their walk down. So we followed. Ortiz. Ortiz. We mm. followed Ortiz. So we were behind him. Mm. And it was crazy just like watching like how like hyped they were. Eddie was getting him hyped. What was he, he said? Like It was like we're just two boys from New York, always remember that or something mm-hmm. like that. He was shouting mm-hmm. at Ortiz. That was mm-hmm. awesome. So then once they did the entrances, it, it it was crazy how long they had to wait though, because they waited basically the whole uh Serena Deep Thunder Rosa match mm-hmm. and then uh, for the JS to do their entrance as well. So, like, they had a long wait. And then Benno and I moved back to the top part of where we our seats were. So, we were top of um, level one. Mm. So, not not the cheap seats, but one level below that. Yeah. Um, and we decided to just stay standing up there. And we got, like, a vantage point of absolutely everything that was going on. And it, it really wasn't until we rewatched the match at home that we knew like what was actually seen on TV. Mm-hmm. But we could see everything, and it was so cool. There was so much to watch. Mm-hmm. I loved them playing Wild Thing like two times through at the beginning of the match. I thought that was great. It got people like really um, made it feel special. Up into it. it made it feel like some kind of crazy bar brawl, yeah, or like something from a movie. It was so wonderful and just. Um, I just thought they did such great stuff during the match and um, Daddy Magic or I call or as I call him Rich Falter um, <laughs> for any Mighty Bush fans out there like that boy he is Rich Falter come back and he is he was so covered in blood like good for him mm. everyone seems so game for it mm. I loved like Garcia head punching like oh it was just really really good Moxley and Jericho had some really great stuff as well, like I was mostly watching them to be honest, and it was really good. It was just so cool having that bird's eye view of everything going yeah. on. And I know, you know, we were lucky to be there live, but it was like, you know, you've made the point yourself, haven't you? That like 
maybe a director's cut needs to be done at mm. some point of like all the different things that because it felt like nobody stopped. It wasn't like anyone no was lying down. No one stopped at all, whether or not the camera was on. Cause, no one stopped Because you'd be watching something and I'd be watching something else because yeah. we could see it all from our vantage point and like you'd be re- reacting to something and I'd try and follow what you were watching and then I'd, I'd bring your attention to something else and then I wanted to go out to the concourse to go watch Eddie Kingston mm. and it was just like, it was... It, I haven't watched it back on, on the on the, the fight feed this, this week. They did an incredible job. They did. It's the best production job they've ever done. Yeah, they, 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 you would expect they them really to get have. this wrong. Yeah, you would. And I'm not saying, like, watching at home, people missed out on anything because they got all the major stuff, but there was something special about, about was. it, and it, it made it a selling point for, like, there's another one. You want to be in the arena for that, don't you? Yeah. Like, it, it worked for, for what it was. It was <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, like, on the night, I was wanting to give it five stars. You know, I calmed down a bit since then. Um, but, I know, give it five stars for a non, like, proper wrestling match. Meltzer gave it five. Yeah. Lots of grapple users gave it five. Um, it was so, so good. And that visual of Eddie with the gas, you know, coming down with the gas cap. Oh, my God, yeah. He looked so cool. Yeah, that was amazing. Like, I zombie Eddie Kingston. That. <laughs> that, we'll get to, again, to get to see that as he walked out and just being like, because oh. that's been a criticism we've had of this feud. The feud has annoyed us. me. I, like, I'll be honest, like, it, I said this during one of the Patreon shows. Mm. Um... This was Eddie Kingston's issue with Jericho, and yep. they had, like, still so far my match of the year at Revolution. That was an incredible match, and even better live. Mm. And it felt like Eddie, after taking the fireball from Jericho, then just brought in his more famous mates, and then most of that match, mm. Jericho was fighting Moxley, mm. which is a criticism mm. as well, because Eddie is more over than people realize he's more over than Tony Khan realizes and Tony Khan's a smart guy that would appreciate Eddie Kingston as a wrestler but I think he still has like a little bit of um kind of blinders on and thinking that Danielson and Moxley are the star here they're not like people so much want Eddie and I just find it and I'm not complaining about what what went on in the match but they're putting this you know anything goes anarchy in the arena situation why Kingston didn't just jump on Jericho like the whole time he was constantly given, paired off with either Garcia or yeah, two like given what happened between them and yes he came down to try and set him on fire at the end but it was like you had the whole match to get to get him mm-hmm. um, and I just hope that like if this this is obviously continuing to blood and guts and like that they pivot some way to be like if if JAS lose blood and guts, let it be Kingston that pins Jericho. Like, please give Kingston that moment. He was the focus on Dynamite, to be fair. But, yeah, you know, the, the, the build to the show, which we were critical of, and during the match, it wasn't like him and Jericho were the two leaders. Jericho was clearly the leader on his uh-huh. side. But, like we kept saying, Moxley and Brian felt more important parts of the other team. And, like, I, I felt like, to me, that felt like Kingston being too generous or Kingston wanting to be paired off with, like, a Garcia because, you know, he loves him and that's his boy and stuff. But he, needed, no, he needs but to be he, a bit more selfish, um, to be does. honest, you know? He needs to say, like... I, I, it just... It was just strange that, like, Jericho was fighting Moxley. Like, they've already had a feud and they did all the Moxley eye stuff, but, like... In this situation, like that wasn't the pairing to go for, and it's just, it did break my heart a little bit when mm. they made it clear that the guys that were going to even the numbers 
were Moxie and Danielson. Not because I'm a huge um, mark for like Homicide and Hernandez, but at least if two people like that had been brought in, then Eddie was going to be the clear leader guy. But to yeah. bring in two bigger names like that, that made me sad because this, I think when, when Kingston started this, having this view with, with Jericho, people like weren't sure about it. And there's definitely been some bumps in the road. But if we could get Kingston like fully elevate it at the end of this it would be amazing mm-hmm. but he needs to he needs to like become the leader because right now even though he's the guy with the with the true beef he's like the wacky sidekick I know you said like they showcased him on Dynamite they did but they showcase him in this way where like you know like the J- JS are having their like celebration mm-hmm. and Kingston comes out like this like basically whack job to challenge them to like mm-hmm. blood and guts and then at the end of dynamite like moxie accepts and he should instead of doing it like that and having like regal out there and know they want it regal to say the thing like, he should be going toe-to-toe with jericho like leader of faction to leader of faction and saying like i challenge you to blood and guts yeah yeah totally totally and i i, I I've got confidence they're going to pivot the right way but yeah yeah you know i'm with it on that but no i thought it was it was Definitely there, as far as like being there live, and it was so cool to be live there in mm-hmm. an AW pay per view. I can't, you know, especially in like say the they're great, aren't they? They're great live. Yeah, well, it was funny because we did that. You know, we did the Patreon stuff about Dynamite and Rampage, and I enjoyed them. But like I was saying, you know, I don't know if like I'd make a flight for a two-hour Dynamite. It depends on the Dynamite, obviously. But you know, or a Rampage, which you know, and they paired it with a fucking dark tape, and like we, had, we don't think we I think we saw some total of two dark matches our entire trip because like you can be fucking asked, mm-hmm. you know. But like this pay for you, I know people complained about the blend. <coughs> um, you know, Tony made made uh, a lot of mention of that during your press scrum, but yeah, you know, we made it work for ourselves. We spent a lot of time, didn't we, up and down the concourse, like you know, find that you go for something to eat, go for a smoke, go for a drink, trying to like you know, help ourselves last the entire show. But like I said to John and Way on their show, like that anarchy, the anarchy in the arena moment brought everyone back. It was, like, it was perfect. Yeah, we had that lull in the middle, which probably, probably shouldn't have been there. But, you know, uh, whatever NBA game was going on or something or whatever the, the excuse was. But yeah, once you hit that, you know, it was a home run from there on uh, in the pay-per-view. And, you know, we got our money's worth as a, as a live experience as well. Um, any other highlights from the uh, the review before we move on that quickly? Um, oh. Where's it standing? Like the pay per views you've been to, like as far as like you've been to a few now. Yeah, sure. So, full gear. Um, like that was the first one I went to, so that's always going to be really special. Mm. Um, to me, and I loved full gear as a show, and you had the hangman winning moment, so mm. I felt like I was there for a really important moment in AW history. Yeah. Revolution, I thought was like, I still think that's the best pay per view they've ever put on. Yeah. Um, the Kingston Jericho and CM Punk MJF, like, it was a fantastic show. Mm. This one was really really good as well. I have to say, Revolution is a better show. Um, it, yeah, Revolution was a better show, mm. but this one had. The the anarchy match, mm-hmm. which I would put above everything except Kingston Jericho, 
And then it had Punk winning the title, yeah. which is really special. Or great moments well. of my life watching wrestling. Getting to but then also, there I got to see that. the great moment of Punk win a dog collar match last year. <laughs> I was sad I wasn't at that one with you, to be yeah, fair. Which made up for it, though. his Ring of Honor stuff. So, I don't know. Like, it's hard to know what, what I would think of the last three AEW shows if I'd watched them from home. But being there live, they're all fucking awesome. Did, did the other live shows you go to have um, you know, a sushi bar and uh, all the great food and drink selection this place did? I told you that venue is the best venue I've ever been to in the whole world. <laughs> Every venue should be like that. Okay, venues, please, oh, but do not stop serving drinks at the main event. Oh, yeah, okay? that was annoying. Wasn't it? Keep the bar open, even just soft drinks. All I want is the water at the end of the show. Mm. But that venue was great. Like, we need more choices of like food and stuff in venues. The venue where Revolution was held was awful the concessions were fucking Didn't even horrendous. Diet Coke, like, like, horrendous every venue needs to have like an out- outdoor balcony area and it needs to have good concessions yeah and that um, Vegas t- one LA venue was T-Mobile awesome it was T-Mobile in Vegas thank you yeah the only problem was the uh, the merch which we complained enough about on the page you know, AW merch is never good get your shit sold they never got that sorted feels like being at a WCW show you know the amount of wrestler stuff that's missing the, the, the limited stuff they have like they need to get it's that together crazy. Wait, wait, we're not money left on the that. table money left on the so table so much money left on the table well what did you think like as a back to back like obviously us going to that and then you know got, getting to go you know to, to LA and going to to see you know AW and the, the Young Bucks backyard but yeah, in uh, in LA at the Forum, mm-hmm. um, fam- famous arena. At least you know in, in years past. Yeah, that was it. Was quite funny going from like a modern arena in the T-Mobile in Vegas to going here in, in LA, where it was like definitely a bit more old school. I'd like reddish kind of. I felt like, like cinema seats. seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was like a big theatre, wasn't yes. it? And we were in, and you get in, it's so cramped, and like it's hot because you're in LA, and it was just a bit like oh, I don't know. Yeah, like, but. They had an outdoor area, yeah. which 10 out of 10, and they had many, many different drinks concession stands, some of which were in the outdoor area. That was good. Like a, another bar there and a white class. I, I mean, that round I got for us that cost me like $30 a side. Yeah, it was great. Um. <laughs> you ask a guy to buy you a drink, and then he's like, talking about the price. <laughs> Look, I'm British, what are you going to do? Uh, it was rough, that. But um, it was, yeah, but, it, but like once you, I think once we sat in our seats, and yeah. again, shout out to uh, Professor Chris for uh, helping us, uh, helping us out. Or at least helping me out you had your your media but I wasn't good enough but I wanted to sit with Ben um, <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> but like you know it was like we our seats were dead on with the entranceway which looked yeah. incredible like yeah. that's the entranceway they should have going forward but oh that was better than any other like dynamite entrance I think that they didn't make enough use of the venue on TV though like they mm. should it's shown a, way more. It's been it. the story since New York since um, much, what's the stadium called Arthur Ashe is like we have this cool venue Let's but not show once on TV. we get there, we're not gonna we're gonna make you think we're in any other dark open. purple lighting, and you only show the first couple of rows, and yeah, like because it's crazy, like the the places that they go from, because you have somewhere cool like Arthur Ashe, you have somewhere cool like the Forum, hmm. where I went to in Boston, it was like some college, um, like basketball arena or something, like it was terrible, hmm. um. And it's like the the kind of the difference in that, but then the way they present them on TV, they might as well be the college mm. arena things, yeah. which is like really what you have to move away from because I think like certainly, like for example, when I went to that Boston show and I walked past where it was going to be, like there was a certain disappointment of like, 
oh, it's here? Yeah. Like, you know, so when they have a cool venue, they should make use of it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But, no, it made for a great live experience. Again, you know, fun show to be at live. You know, if you're, again, I don't know how much I'd travel for a, for a standalone dynamite. Maybe one like this in, like, a, a special arena. Um, but yeah, fun show. Up and down, dynamite, wasn't it? You know, yeah. the uh, excited punk. We talked about punks' uh, mishaps in the in the open area, and obviously the MJF promo was uh, was cool to be live at. But yeah, yeah. did you have any uh, any other highlights from being at the forum? Um, okay, I like the JAS bit. Um, mm. I like Kingston. Uh, dis- despite what I've you know said about the problems mm. there with that. Um, Wardlow deserved more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no need for Johnny Elite to issue an open challenge. No <laughs> we went the bathroom on that one. Welcome back, Nero. Um, you hope you get better next time. Yeah. Um, what else happened on the show? Oh, Garcia Moxley was very good. Yeah, should, very, shouldn't very bury good. that. That was an incredible match to be at live. Very. Like that was that's you know Garcia's. Seal and his mixing up with like, Moxley. CM Punk's the champion. Mm. Wardlow beat MJF, mm. but it was the JAS that got two segments on that show. Mm. A big one at the beginning, and they closed the show. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself over, kids. There you go. Look out for yourself. <laughs> Good advice. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was a fun show to be at. I was surprised they didn't do you know any kind of again you know it's like the dark taping we went to the dynamite the week before where they just launch out a load of matches mm-hmm. and they don't they, these little things they can probably they can probably learn from do to be just advertise the dark main event yeah you know tell us oh if you stick around you're gonna see Brian Danielson versus in Vegas needed mm. a dark main event mm. not John Morrison versus who they were uh, Isaiah what's his name yeah. Isaiah Casty yeah one no. of them yeah it needed Mark Quinn I think it was yeah, yeah. Mm. It needed like Daniel Bryan versus mm. Darby Allen or something like you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. But yeah, it's still you know get getting to be there live at a dynamite. He didn't do anything after the show for this one. Um, he didn't get a crazy, a proper crazy Tony speech, which we've been getting <laughs> at the shows, which is no. which is another highlight to go to these shows live. Getting there, uh, you know, typed up Tony Khan. Mm. he's not but yeah it was, it was just yeah, it was great to, great to be at great to be at a, a great venue like that and it was just a, I'm glad we did it I'm glad we added the extra couple of days to our trip to you know do the Vegas Dynamites and Rampage do the pay-per-view mm-hmm. and do, do the uh, the California Dynamites as well yes good times I loved it it was the best trip I've been on um, but mm. did you have any other Vegas uh, highlights or anything like that you want to, what was your, your favourite we talked on behind the Patreon pay what was your favourite fast food over there give, you, give it a matty you don't have to do a full top five but I love you know. Panda Express so much <laughs> I love the orange chicken and I actually like that was my thing I was dreaming of when I was like dieting for six weeks and not eating carbs was Panda Express so mm-hmm. I'm really happy about that um, love Jack in the Box mm-hmm. as well um, always love Taco Bell mm-hmm. um, we found Taco Bell like the party Taco Bell in Vegas that was awesome mm-hmm. um Popeyes is like fine, but I'm definitely keener on Popeyes than me. I came away loving Popeyes. The mash yeah. and gravy, incredible. Right. The fries, incredible. Chicken, ah, not so much. Not Mac so much. Mac and cheese is my game. Yeah, Mac you like cheese. that from there. Um, yeah, still have. Wingstop was good. I enjoyed that. Didn't get to go to an Applebee's though. Mm, I'm sorry about that. I thought. love Applebee's so much. <laughs> you know what I love when it's a bad one to say, like, I'm not that guy who goes on holiday and eats McDonald's. But. McDonald's breakfast in America was pretty damn good. 
I didn't have it, but biscuits. I, I love seven I biscuits guy. Eleven food. Like you, you'd love it. Like you're easily pleased. like every morning we get up, we make sure we get you on a, a coffee from Seven Eleven. You like that? We like the uh, the big gulps from there as well. Mm-hmm. Got a slushy later in the day from there. What are those little uh, food things you eat? Little eating? rolly things like that that will have like. See, Americans are laughing at us here, but we don't have this. Oh, God, I love them. <laughs> Our petrol stations are shit. The spa by you in Belfast is pretty good, to be fair. Oh, a spa in Belfast is amazing. <laughs> North Belfast spa. Call if you hear me. That's the one. No, I got like again. I'm trying to think of the. We didn't. Like, we did definitely didn't go classy on the food. We were definitely. Uh, no, but I don't like American. I only like American fast food because I know what's in it. Once you start going into diners and restaurants, mm. I'm not into it. Nah, I love all that myself, but no, we had a, we definitely didn't have a healthy week. But to be fair, we walked a fucking lot in Vegas and uh, yeah, and LA, and despite what we drank and ate. Yeah, I think we both out of some minor miracle came back wearing the same. So there you go. It was a it was a roundabout win, but I don't know why we're on that subject. I mean, there there was other wrestling stuff we wanted to go into, but I think it's kind of covered. By this bit, do you want to answer some uh, some listen- listener I questions? I want to answer the listener questions. They better be good, though. <laughs> I trust our uh, our patrons to give us good stuff. So yeah, let's have a look at what they've uh, what they've got for us. Steph, first question coming yes. in over on the uh, over on the grapple Patreon from James Lane asked to tell us all about the depraved and wild shit you saw in Vegas and LA, both fun towns. Well, he says, but also you know, yeah. <laughs> what wild and depraved shit did we see? Wild and depraved shit. I mean, I kind of covered Hollywood already, you know. The, 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 the I mean, we joked about it. The homeless problems, fucking unreal in LA. Like the, literally every every street you're on, somebody a homeless zombie looking person passes you, shouts themselves about like mass murder or something else scary, and then you eventually realise that they don't even know you're fucking there, so they're mm-hmm. not actually that scary. But it's fucking wild. Like it's, it's wild. When you first there, we done a lot of, you know, saw some uh, some fun ladies and men of the night knocking around there uh, in Hollywood as well. I honestly, I I found Hollywood really grimy, but I can't think of like what CD shit did we see in Vegas? Like, I mean, people gambling at nine in the Young morning. Yeah, gambling. To give in it twenty four hours a day. That was it, wasn't it? You yeah. Know, your mind was blown by the fact that you know it was no, smoking. Anything goes in those casinos twenty four hours a day. That was useful. Yeah. Spent a lot of fucking money in the casinos. That's kind of a uh, depraved, but you know, we yeah. had a few wins too on that. What was, what was the machine you liked? You liked the it's like uh, Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. You were good at that. We liked yeah. Money, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything like where I was like, oh, um, oh, have you told the story about the man and the the witch? the trailer? The man and the trailer. N- no, the the toy. The toy. Oh yeah, we talked about. Oh, we talked about that. Oh, yeah. I yeah, the that... drunken man who kept showing me the... Uh, well, I'm sorry, drunken's being shattered as well. The, the trailer yeah. to Troy from 2005. Uh, <laughs> like it was a live-action part of the news that he was watching. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. I can't think of any... There's nothing that... It, Vegas is... is quite clean. I mean, the thing that shocked me most about Vegas was just the fact that it was like doing an Amsterdam. The amount of weed they were trying to slug us. I'm opening popcorn, sorry. <laughs> Just got a dirty look from Mr. Podcaster. <laughs> look, and the audio might not have been perfect so far anyway. Because I have of, uh, COVID. Some uh, mess up. It's all right. We're in your, we're in your mum's house. Mm-hmm. You can do what you want. Um, but like, um, yeah, like I would say like Vegas was proper clean, but it felt a bit like Amsterdam in that. Like, would we be legal? Like every fucking corner, every 
stretch of like the mainstream strip where there's like you know just your normal tourists there was somebody trying to fog your weed whether it was a mm-hmm. bloke on the corner or it was a proper stall or it was a, a nice looking shop LA was a lot more um, subtle about it and it was the proper dispensaries and yeah. stuff but fucking anything goes in Vegas JP I loved it I loved it mm. I loved the atm- the anything goes atmosphere mm. um I really did. Fremont was probably the wildest, like as far as like like there was a point when we were on Fremont Street, and I think I mentioned it on the, on the Patreon one, like just people who take their kids to Vegas, I don't understand. Especially no. people who take their kids to Fremont Street, and especially kid people who like there was this family with these three little little boys, oldest must have been off fucking 10 and they're on Fremont Street at 2 in the morning with this live band playing mum and dad are wasted and the kids just that looks in their eyes like I need to go to bed right now <laughs> it's just like yeah. fuck like how, how is this a place people think it's okay to bring your kids it's kind of wild it's not It's Vegas is not for kids bring them to Disneyland mm. and let mummy and daddy do Vegas alone mm. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I would have even bought my Daryl. It was that bad. <laughs> it was Daryl. Daryl's soul is too pure for uh, for yeah. Fremont Street and uh, and Vegas. But go on, then moving on from James. I suppose we are burying the uh, the lead here. Can we get Cody up on the uh, oh, Cody's on the uh, the TV right now? Given right, uh, yeah, a he's... sad sack speech on Raw as we record this. Hopefully retiring. This is why we're not live, by the way, folks. As well as well as the COVID, um, Zahid. Uh, asks where does Cody stand in the crazy bastard rankings, and this is obviously on the back of the uh, off the back of Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell, which we watched, we did watch last night. We have been catching up on. The, we watched some. We'll throw this in too. Watch some NXT this weekend as well. Oh, go on, I've got up a lot of WWE this weekend. I I'll take this question. Go on. Cody ain't no crazy bastard. Cody's crazy ex girlfriend. <laughs> Cody will do anything to make people love him. Yeah. And it is the the territory of a desperate ex or someone that really fancies you just doing anything to make you like them. And you know what? When you get someone to like you like that, it ain't real. Uh, this man set himself on fire in AEW when the fans were turning against him, which was fucking stupid and unnecessary. <laughs> and then he comes out there last night with and like it looks horrific and you know it was a dumb thing to do to do the match like that and people are online being like oh my god Cody like brave warrior and WWE are acting like he's some kind of saint are you kidding me there are people out there that get through life like their life with actual horrible injuries because like they have no other thing they can do Cody is just a fucking egomaniac trying to make people love him by doing every desperate attempt he can this guy would literally cut his own dick off on TV <laughs> if he thought it would make people love him great you know and where's the negative He's awful. He's it. awful. And this it. WWE run is not going to work out. It's, the, what are you joking? It couldn't be worked out any better. We're like three months into it, Benno. And he hasn't beat Seth Rollins three times. Ty Conte and Sammy Guevara <laughs> have a more stable relationship than Cody Rhodes and WWE. He's, he's definitely better off. Like I'm, I'm doing a bit of a thing. Well, I, we're I, better off because he's not with AEW. <laughs> well, it, no, it's, he is better off out injured now until what the fucking rumble or whatever it is he's going to be able to come back because they can't kill him like they could not have presented him better since he came through the door yeah and they'll kill him very soon he's almost he's not quite on Roman Reigns level but he's like the closest 
Like, as a baby, is that top And it will last. Well, that's my point. Like, they, I can't believe you are being, and you and all the other people are being this naive, this I'm not naive in. about it. I know they would fuck it up, but what I'm saying is, the fact, you know, the sex story is over, they put him over, which I love. I love that they did that. They had every excuse in the book not to have him win, but he won. And now he's going to... It's going to be away from Vince's, like, possible harm for Lord knows how long. Well, you know, and all sorts of, like, where you go about things. Yeah, he's and Vince... back even more over. No, Vince will find another toy before he comes back. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I... MJF. I, mean, I did think, you know, some people were going overboard on the match last night. You know, Meltzer sounds like he's going to give it a five. It's, you know... I, Get I fucked. See, and I saw other, you know, wrestling media people talk about it as, like, a, you know, like the... You know, massive match in Cody's career, one of the great WWE matches. I really Why? enjoyed it. Because this man went out injured. Why are we applauding that? I thought well, we were over that. Okay. Stupid. I'm wrestling, I don't yeah, Break the neck, I don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, it's like, well, that's the thing. It's like, if you want to play safety police about it, I think Cody coming out, you know, putting him in the match in the first place is probably the wrong move. Probably is not even the word, you know, publicly join the company, probably shouldn't do that. They shouldn't allow him to wrestle in the condition he was in. But once you get past that point and the match happened, I can't argue with the result. It worked. Cody is a guy. It made it real. Who wants to be a martyr. Like, but th- this is literally like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, me going out there with my torn pack. Did it to yourself, mate. Oh, me, it's myself a fire for you. Did it to yourself. In an era where, like, fans don't <laughs> buy into matches and stuff and don't buy into, like, a babyface selling, that arena went silent when they saw that bruising and it wasn't they weren't engaged because they really were by the end of the match, but it made people buy into this selling, got them more over to their babyface, helped them tell a better story. Anyone that can buy into him as a babyface in any walk of life is beyond <laughs> me. Get better heroes. <laughs> Fucking homelander right, right there. <laughs> Fucking hell. I don't hell. know why I love Cody, I just do. Well, I, I, yeah, I thought it really worked as a match, and I think, you know, you can argue about whether it should happen in the first place, but once it did, it worked. Um, yeah, it was as good as Seth Rollins' performance I've seen. You know, even the commentary wasn't terrible. Oh, Seth, please wear my dad's gear. <laughs> that was a bit on the nose. But it was a, it was a great match. Like, I'd probably go... 4.25 you can push me into the four and a half maybe not quite that because it's still a WWE match at the end of the day but it was it was your prototypical Cody match this is what Cody should have been in two AW. stars max ah, I mean <laughs> you're hard like you, you to be fair you fell asleep for that five minutes I think because it was that bad <laughs> we tried and to it was it and it was reading <laughs> the gushing about this idiot this injured idiot Idiot. He is, a, he is a moron, I agree. But it's but it reeks so much of desperation. I'll build for Vince McMahon's WBA as this man though. He's John Cena version too. John Cena's a way better. Oh people Cody. not more people not saying it. Like he's he's basically becoming John Cena. He's morphed into John Cena. I respect John Cena because John Cena made a bed and he lay in it. <laughs> Cody Rhodes. <sighs> Made a great choice, got loads of millions. No. And is now the top guy in WWE. Cody Rhodes the is a traitor that you can never trust again. <laughs> but do you think Vince McMahon loves him more than his own son at this point? Well, Vince doesn't love any of his family. He's fucked them all. <laughs> Even Stephanie now. I know, that's shocking. It? It's, sh- it's shocking. <laughs> any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. The Stephanie stuff, like, she's been fucked over. She's been turfed out. Mm-hmm. It's, and it is hilarious how... Like, because Stephanie is a woman 
and she got to play the woman in a man's world card the how the company pushed her and being on like the media end like the idea of how stephanie was pushed to us in the media Mm. and there would be like women only like um you know calls with with stephanie <laughs> it was literally like that, and you would have these these other female uh, journalists, so like, well, alleged journalists who would start their question to Stephanie McMahon, going, "You're such an icon to women. You're such an idol to women." And I'm sitting there being like, "She's not though, because she's in no way self made, like at all. She's she's literally got a job in her dad's company." But anyway, like you're all like it's just been built up to be like Stephanie is like this great, like businesswoman whiz genius like goddess, and her at the end of the day, her own dad turfed her out of the company, <laughs> and it's and like that's just disgraceful. They're a disgraceful family. They're a despicable family. It's it's fucking billionaire logic, isn't it? Because we we are past the point that this there's any kind of succession plan in WWE or like it's being handed down through the family. There's, there's clearly a big sale coming. The thing is, like, with, with with the Stephanie stuff, it just, and it does annoy me in, in those times to hear other women idolise her like that. If Stephanie was a um, woman from a normal family who went through college, mm. who was um, really into business, who landed a job in WWE and rose through the ranks, mm. then, you know, amazing, my God, go write an autobiography but she's not she's Vince McMahon's daughter but it is crazy that that the family are are so bad and Vince has just what he has done to that company like taking it from a family company like taking it off off his dad and then basically now making sure that his family never gets it that is insane what do these billionaires gain from it like if you're Vince McMahon and he's like five years off from death or whatever he is What's he gonna gain That's from what I don't for billions? Get. People like that because if I if I was to end up as a millionaire or a billionaire, I would want my kids to honestly have the life. I would say, here, here's a ton of money, go be Paris Hilton. Like that's how I would see oh, it. That's how I see it. No, but he's not because he's he's taking like the one thing they had from them. Like, what are they all gonna be when he goes? Mm. Like it it's just crazy you what he wants to do. Cody Rhodes, he'll be running. Him and Jeff. Oh my god. Him and Jeff, I'll be running the company. That's Fucking hell, that's what Cody wants. He just <laughs> owns so WWE. Cody Rhodes wants. But I, on, back on the match to, to that question, like I went four point two five on that. Boom. Love that. There wasn't much more notable from the pay per view that we uh, kind of took took note of. I mean, I know people were raving about like a couple of matches on there, but I see potential in um, Madcap Moss if they change the name and the gimmick. Mm. That's all I can say. <laughs> what did you think of the bits of NXT that we saw while we're on WWE? You sure, uh, stand is it stand? Is it still called Standard Deliver? Yeah, it's Standard Deliver. Thought the tag match was really good, but the whatever the Diamond Man team are. Really no, pretty that. deadly and pretty the, deadly and the, the Creed brothers. Yeah, the Creed brothers. Uh, yes, they're not down on that. I'm not. Sh- no, I'm sure they were. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Um, yeah, that was very good. I I actually kind of like in a sick way enjoy NXT 2.0. Like it's so bad, it's good. Um, mm. but I think they're burying Braun Breaker with this Joe Gacy bullshit. Like we had this about Braun Breaker though, like. Is he really the future of the WWE? Is he really invincible? It's like the. Someone's oh, got to fucking me. If Matty's listening, 
you know, that, that, uh, that gable bet going well, isn't it, mate? Yeah, going well. We'll see why if you've apparently going back to amateur wrestling. That's how I make uh, Gabe's. Gable Gable Stevenson will um, like amount to nothing. There's another shit name that they push on us. But I think Bron Breaker, obviously not to that extreme. But I just don't see why people think he's going to be a star of WWE. He gets on Raw. He's stand with a knockoff gimmick. No, but it's not that we think he's going to be a star in WWE. It's that we think he has potential to be something. Obviously, yeah. Vince is just going to shit on him. Yeah, he got not, it, nothing other than presence. There's nothing about his presentation or who he is that tells me Vince McMahon's going to like him. I am so desperate to see someone like actually go on a run from the beginning and become the next fucking John Cena even though I hate it, John Cena, that I will latch on to anyone. And Braun Breaker had the most potential. And after seeing that gassy shite... Company, yeah, but not yeah. yeah, that was garbage. But no, I've, I've got to say, like, I thought Pretty Deadly looked really good. Like, that is, you know, we joke about it, but, like, that's a... one of the, If you want to shout back at us about Brit Rise and a success story, like, they went from, what, Indies, <coughs> picked up by Progress, which yeah. meant they got picked up by NXT UK which meant they've ended up in NXT proper, they're probably going to end up on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, they're going to be one of the few... But it's also... I hate their new names. A few success I hate their new names, but they're a really good act. On the nose enough for you. No, they're a really good act, though. <laughs> they are? No, I like, them. I like them from the moment I saw them at that Brewers Manchester show, so... No, I thought they impressed as well, but, yeah. You know, WWE shows, yeah. isn't it? So, only so much you can enjoy, but... There we go. So, there's a long-winded answer to uh, where does Cody stand in the crazy bastard rankings, and my answer is pretty high. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Zaid <laughs> uh, also asked we'll keep this brief because I don't know whether uh, journalistic integrity will allow you to answer this question Stephanie right. uh, Sunshine Machine is Rev Pro slash Progress Tag Champs a comment on their improvements or on the lack of options I think Sunshine Machine are really good mm. and they really improved post pandemic yeah um, and I think that there's stuff I've seen of them in, in Rev Pro this year and tail end of, of last year um I think that they're, they have started taking themselves seriously and that's like been the difference. Right. Um, and I think there there is an interview I did with them about this where they talked about this, but... In character or on RevPro? No, on RevPro, but not in character. Well, like half, like half shoot. Mm. Um, but they're a really great ta- tag team and they have a really great connection with the crowd. Chuck... Um, can think of some really innovative spots actually and I don't think Chuck gets enough credit like for what he is and maybe it's like he's been around too long or something but I think Sunshine Machine are really great I think with them we all get buried in talking about what T.H. Cooper could have been and maybe not so much with Chuck Mambo but like that becomes a conversation but if you just took them as what they are now and where they've kind of built themselves to you can't help but be impressed like they have they are, and the scene needs a good solid tag team like them. And, and I do think are. I do think it's a little column A column B. I do think you know the scene getting weaker has allowed them to become one of the top level tag teams. But they've teams. risen. They've risen to it well. Yeah, um, every big rev promo I've had's been good. Yes, they're really good. They're really engaging. Um, they're really nice guys, and they take it really seriously in a, in a good way. Don't know. TK gives and, me some looks when he sees me in real life. Don't know what that's about, but anyway. Well, I don't know what that's about either. I think he's <laughs> lovely. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy Sunshine Machine. Joe Parker gave me a look. You know, we saw him in the, uh, the comic shop. Oof. Like oh, a, did like he? A pure, there's that Brit Rez cunt look. Oh. <laughs> I get that sometimes, folks, in real life. Some wrestlers give me looks, but different. 
<laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, he also mentions that he that uh, Goto as interim AW champ will be great. He holds a win over Moxie from the G1, so clearly has his number. Let's move on from that comment. Is that a fucking joke? <laughs> Right. Uh, Roddy McCants uh, I don't think I've seen many comments from uh, from Roddy uh, says hearing a shout out the Belfast Tim Hortons on post the other day was bizarre we, we love a big t- a good Timmy's as he tends to go there when he's asked to go in the office I don't know he's a Belfast man hey. around town uh, he hardly ever gets to sleep um, yeah, that's one of John's uh, greatest uh, issues now I thought he did Belfast discussed on post said he'd be up here and I thought oh what's going on in the world of wrestling doesn't watch TV but he can't argue with the premium live event shows haven't been good most of this year, wrestling-wise, which, yeah, I think that's been most of the reviews, and what we saw yeah. the review show was was good for what it was. Um, he's also um, saying the summer's going to be great for wrestling. Mm-hmm. He grapples thoughts on MJF stuff, so as we covered that, that, he uh, asked today that he hopes that you get better stuff and that Thank I escape you. The, uh, the COVID, which somehow... You have so far. Recklessly <laughs> have. Not looking forward to going back to work, but, oh, well, if I, fingers crossed by the morning, I'll be, uh, I'll be positive. Um, and he also he does say to throw in a question um, favourite Jeff Jarrett match for you both as he was on Broken Skull Sessions uh, you'd fell asleep by the time that came up. fuck on. Jeff Jarrett as well <laughs> oh come on SummerSlam 98 well okay yes the best Jeff Jarrett match is from the best pay-per-view of all time SummerSlam 1998 where X-Pac shaved his head not enough people talk about the fact that he got his head shaved now (laughs) if we see Jericho get his head shaved will it be as good as Jeff Jarrett getting his head shaved I don't know because the best head shavings involve fuck ups that one and the Vince McMahon one so yeah loved it I loved that match um, just because I love that pay-per-view but all in all I think Jeff Jarrett's a twat wow and Jeff Jarrett's a hero and a legend and he will be like him and Cody the last one standing when WWE sells on um, oh, I think uh, my favourite I think this might cause a bit of a friction with you I think his China match is better than Jericho's oh fuck off with the, uh, the spots with uh, Mae Young and Ruler and stuff Jeff Jarrett can't work Jericho can that's oh, the difference he's great Jeff Jarrett's not a good worker. Ah, you oh, you know what Jeff did? The best thing he ever did was singing with Sawyer Brown at Unforgiven 1998. I think it was Unforgiven 1998. Don't recall that at all. Uh, when they sang together. When they sang... Um, With My Baby Tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Un- did they? We watched this together, Benno. Don't recall. Are you kidding me? Was it a big moment? Yes, because... Oh, my God, please. Okay, give me one second to look at this. Because this... Yes. Okay, Sawyer Brown did... Some girls do. Oh, some girls do. (laughs) And then that led to one of my my favourite Jim Ross call of all time, which is then during the Undertaker Inferno match against Kane. When the Undertaker goes after Paul Bear, Paul Bear he runs away and he goes to where the Sawyer Brown's um instruments are and the Undertaker puts a drum over Paul Bear's head and Jim Ross goes totally um like just totally straight. Paul Burr wearing a drum. That is my favourite Jim Ross call of all time. That is better than he's broken in half or anything like that. 
Anyway, Jeff Jarrett, the best thing he ever <laughs> did was sing with Sawyer Brown at Unforgiven in Your House, graceful. which is Unforgiven in Your House, 1998. It's the sexiest pay-per-view <laughs> cover of all time. It's the Undertaker holding up his hand and there's a cross drawn in it. He looks amazing. He's so hot in that. He's so hot then. Anyway, the best thing Jeff Jarrett ever did was decide that he wanted to sing with Sawyer Brown, which led to a drum being left near the ring, which led to the Undertaker putting a drum on Paul Bear's head, which led to Jim Ross saying Paul Bear wearing a drum. Thank you. Good night. Well, it's good you like pale gingers anyway. Moving on from Jeff Jarrett, Dylan Shaw asks, sorry, been away for a few months. Uh, my work schedule has been a bit crazy, plus I had to fit in Brit Res, I think he says. Uh, what, are the, what are the sight lines like for the Vegas Double or Nothing show? He's tempted to do Vegas at some point, uh, and then he's got a follow-up question uh, about some Brit Res stuff. He does ask for highlights of the Vegas trip, which I think we've kind of covered, covered. But yeah, what were sight lines like for, for Double or Nothing? You were in the uh, the press section for mm-hmm. most of it, and then we uh, we jumped together. They're great. Everywhere you went, yeah. the, the sight lines are great. Yeah, I was uh, top line, lower than happy stuff. Um, yeah, I had excellent seats, but Benno had really good seats as well. Mm. Um, Not too many rows behind you. No, mm. it was, yeah, the sightlines were, were all good, I think. Mm. Yeah, it was a great arena. Mm. Um, if you're, like, I was, okay, so I still have to do all in, but I will do that in September. But as someone that's been to every show and they seem to kind of like do the same ones, if I had to pick one to go to a year, it would be Double or Nothing. Like that would be my WrestleMania just because it's in Vegas. So that's what I'd recommend. What I, what I would recommend is we created, like it was like going to the VXW, we made our own standing section. So like at the back of the mid-level, if you have a mid-level ticket, there are people sat where like there's people who, you know, are either in, you know... There are people who will kind of, for some reason, just have seats set up for them, like standalone seats set up at the very yeah. top, like, you know, in the walkway. And then there's people, you know, who need care and stuff like that, so I'm feeling guilty the more I say this. But we just stood behind them and no one moved us, so, you know, create your yeah. own standing section. <laughs> Especially if they're going to do a, an Anarchy in the Arena match. Yeah, there you go, you're, you're perfect. Uh, but yeah, I'd recommend the trip. I'd recommend doing it. I'd recommend going to a big AW weekend if you can, you know. Yeah, I, but I think Double Nothing's the one to do if you're Vegas was, yeah. Uh, Everyone should do Vegas once in their life. I regret it slightly money wise because I probably could have done like three Chicago trips like you've got coming up uh, in, in the money I spent on Vegas. But uh, that was Vegas rather than the, the AW side of it. So whatever. Um, yes, what's the most interesting thing out of Super Strong Style Weekend? Uh, the Twitter exchange between me and the Daily Star Geno, um, or the show itself. He says nothing blew up on that weekend apart from that on his tan line. Yeah, well, we've, we've covered the Daily Star journalist, and yeah, that was probably more exciting than any of the matches. Anthony Gogo turned up. Uh, Again. I, to be fair, they're bringing in some names. Bringing in Nick, Nick Wayne is coming over. Excited mm-hmm. for that? No? Yeah, sure. <laughs> They're doing their fucking best, yeah. But yeah, I think the most interesting story was the uh, the lack of people sat in those seats. Uh, Don, Mel- Don Bell asks, uh, following from MJF promo, which he cut on Tony Khan, who in the world of wrestling would you most like to call a fucking bar? And again, he says, Daily Star. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> oh, um, who would I most like to call a fucking bar? A lot of journalists, but mm. anyway, I won't get into that. Kevin Owens, I think he's a Cesaro, you think he's a mark? Uh, yes, Sarah's a mark. Kevin Owens. Dilly. Kevin Owens is a mark. Uh, I love Kevin Owens. Yeah, me though. too. I love Kevin Owens, and you, you know, you know all how highly I think of Jericho, and I think that Kevin Owens was like the better half mm. of of their team when they were together. So, I nothing against Kevin Owens. I would I would say Kevin, I love you, but you're fucking mark. 
but then other people I would just call fucking Mark out of badness. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I love him too. But if he is believing anything coming out of Cody Wood's mouth, then I'm sorry, but MJF wow. is a fucking mark. Wow. I'll just cop out and say all the Brit Res, they're all fucking marks. Yeah, um, a lot of Brit Res are fucking marks. Anyone that signed an UK contract is a fucking mark. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll, I'll come back to bite you when they come calling. Oh, uh, uh, no, true. I would, <laughs> I would sign as well. <laughs> Unbelievable sellout. Um, Ewan asks, uh, he says, hope you're okay. Glad you had a great time. Couple of questions. Have you seen the latest Your Call show, and in particular, Aussie Open vs. Velocities? <laughs> he also asks favourite Mark Jarno to wind up. Glad we got that all out of the way at the start. Favourite Mark Jarno's? Yeah, to, to wind up. Oh. So I'm not allowed to answer? You can answer if you want. No, it's fine. I'll Carry say on. it. <laughs> no. Carry on. Fair enough. Hi, Louis. Um, did you enjoy the rap tour of California? Ask me. I had a couple of questions about this. I didn't make it on the rap tour. We just didn't have time, did we, to get much, uh, get much in on the LA side? Like I say, going to... You know, getting genuinely like going to Inglewood and going to that bar was was a, was an experience. You know, I kind of like I felt I, I, I feel sorry for Benno in LA because I have been so many times and I think I just that, felt bad. She lost you back. Yeah, and I think that I just was like I like I know what I think is fun in, in LA and I maybe didn't show him the right stuff and I wish we'd had. Two it's days possible. longer. Everything so it is. It's everything like, is so spread out. So I wish we'd out. had two more days. You can't walk anywhere. You need to be able to drive. Obviously, because it's it's not even that's not even that doesn't say the least of it that you can't walk anywhere because literally like it's like big built up areas and then miles and nothing everywhere like all the big areas you hear about. Yeah. You know, um, you know it, was an, it would have taken us an hour and a half to get from where we were in Hollywood to get to Santa Monica Pier mm-hmm. or to go to Venice Beach, which was and that's not on food. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then and it, you know going to Long Beach was which was another area I would like to have gone. Probably took another hour the other direction. It's it's yeah. just like that, isn't it? Ubers were cheap though, so you know it's doable. Um, but if yeah. you need more time than, than we had, I would say to do stuff like that. But yeah, um, I haven't seen the looks latest your whole show. Neither have yeah, I. Aussie Open Velocities. That sounds good. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing great things. Your company, at? they are. There you go. Uh, British. Wrong style asks. Uh, he mentions that his questions have already been asked about. Uh, he wants to know if uh, I'd done the bulletproof vest and took the uh, took the trip. Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, he also asked how fucked up did we all get for for you to miss like, well, both of us. We missed our flight and did we meet Tony and share party favors? Um, which part's that to an answer? Okay, so we did get the, pretty fucked up, like. Yeah, we did get pretty fucked up. I mean, I feel sorry for you about the rap. The problem, the problem with me and Benno, as much as we have in common, Benno is a rap guy and I'm a goth. Yeah. Um. So we don't always get to do everything that we want in in those areas. But um, how? How was the question? Just how fucked up did we get? Yeah, I mean okay. that's the answer kind of what they're given, isn't it? That we, yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, to miss our flight or just in general? Yeah, that was dumb. That was dumb. Was missing that flight, like uh, yeah. That that wasn't even the most fucked up I got though. I was honestly ready to drop like two hundred dollars each on replacement flights until I found out what that wild American rule that we could just turn up at the airport and go, "Hi, we're late, book on another flight." Yeah. I was still sad Meltzer wasn't on our, our San Jose flight. That was a shame. Yeah, but I got to be in the same room as Dave Meltzer. Yeah, she um, talked about that. Yes, you mentioned Tony there. You got a big hug from Big Tony as well. 
I got like a half hug from Tony and I, I don't know if he meant to give me a hug or if he just didn't, wasn't able to put his hand out to shake it because he's kind of talking to someone else. But um, <laughs> yeah, the clothes I got to Tony was at the, at the press squam and like I've, you know, I've done... You've met him before. I've done, yeah, I've met him before and I've done those before. Um, and I, I mean, I love Tony. Like Tony's like meeting my favorite person. Mm. Um do you, do you want me to give any notes on the press scrum? Yeah, I don't know if, you, if you guys have watched it. It was crazy. I have to, so I I've had two encounters with Dave Meltzer. Never spoken to him, mm. um, and you know what? I would have spoken to him after this if it wasn't if it wasn't so long. And I honestly, guys, I was so thirsty, and that's just the problem. Um, <laughs> like for, for like a cola or something. <laughs> no, like <laughs> not thirsty for melts. Um, well big daddy dave big daddy dave but anyway um the press scrum was like was really um interesting i always find it really interesting i find the questions so interesting as well but i'm not i'll not get into my thoughts on the questions asked um but it it was brian alvarez's voice is hilarious because it's exactly as it is in the podcast it's Mm. like it he he has a voice that sounds like it's coming through a phone yeah um and not out of a human being Mm. um just observing dave in in itself was interesting i thought it was funny like how every single wrestler bar jade cargill had to kiss his ass Mm. you know (laughs) i'd be like that was because she didn't know the fuck he was yeah which i respect her for that Mm. um but no, the the press the press scrum was was good. It you know it did just go on too long, and I'm not complaining about that because it's not something you You're should complain about. But it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Tony's Tony is lovely, and and he, t- Tony, wants everyone to get their money's worth out of everything, and he wants people to never feel done, mm. and that can be too much. Sometimes yeah. I think like like his generosity can be like the the downfall, you know. Mm. Sometimes, um, but being in the same room with Dave, uh, <laughs> it's just funny to just watch him like mm. just be like be like be Dave. Yeah, he's I'm a, the one he's a unique person. I really wanted to want to have a grapple t shirt and, and everything. I wanted to uh, flog the app soon, but it was not the case. Uh, but like yeah, the one time I met him, it was at that Manchester Con thing, and he was just knackered and uh, wasn't very chatty. Yeah. Uh, but it's it is. It's, he's not big Dave, isn't he? He's, he's big cool. Dave. I mean, like, I would have counted him as my, um, one of my like me and idols a couple of years ago. I've definitely like. You've met them all now. You met changed. Uh, Wade and Todd at the last Wade one. Wade Keller is my actual idol. I adore Todd, Wade Alan, Keller. Todd Martin. Todd, yeah. Todd Martin. Todd Martin is like people don't know the amount of times like I the I of times I've been in your flat adore got Todd. Todd Martin I met Todd Martin I'm gonna sound like such a fan girl I met Todd Martin at Full Gear and like there's no one I would want to impress more than Todd Martin like Todd Martin makes me feel embarrassed to be me yeah because I'm sitting in my head going oh, I bet you Todd Martin looks at me and thinks what bimbo I wouldn't like her and like that makes me sad because I would love to sit down with Todd Martin and just tell him how great I think he is on the fix the week after they met you they Todd did specifically say our friend Stephanie from the UK on his uh, okay well I I love Todd Todd Martin I agree with him more than like anyone else in wrestling I wish that he would come to every every pay-per-view he would have asked better questions at the scrum than anyone I'm not going to offend anyone's questions though because I like I'm 
I'm, I'm doing a very specific kind of work, but I think there's other people that could <laughs> that could have gone in a bit harder, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, no, I, I don't know why I'm talking about Todd now, but I just adore we him. Love I love we Todd. Love Wade? I love Wade as well. Wade, like if if you could only listen to either Dave or Wade, mm. like listen to Wade. Yeah, Wade's a better podcast host at this He's point. a better podcast host. He's um, a better an- uh, analyst. analyst He's an analyst, analyst of AEW, dead on. Yeah. And also, like, Meltzer. I don't want to sound like I'm, like, shit on Meltzer or anything. But Meltzer's interview skills are not good. When they do an interview, Brian is the better interviewer. Mm. And, yeah, um, Brian, I suppose Dave's less the host and more the guest, isn't he? Dave... Like, Wade and Dave is a combo. That's the winning combination. Yes. Wade hosts Dave talks. Yes. That's what we want. Yes. But when when they're doing an interview, like uh, the last one I can remember, honestly, is when they had Jericho on and literally Dave was interjecting with questions that were taking things off onto like another road and mm. we weren't on what we were on before and then everything got muddled and Brian clearly had like a like a a, pla- a plan of questions and Dave would interject with something that was like 20 years on from what they were just talking about. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, And then like Brian's trying to bring it back and it's just, it becomes like a directing traffic situation. Yeah. And that's what Dave turns things into. Yeah, and Brian speaks Dave better than anyone. So yeah. know, that is a hard job and he does it well. I was going to say the, the other media people we didn't meet that we really wanted to was the, uh, the Everything Elite lads. I wanted well, to meet the every... Everything Elite lads. Oh my gosh. I wanted to meet the guys from Everything Elite so much and I'm hopefully going to meet them at Forbidden Door but like I have... I have a lot I want to say to them and I just really want to meet them. Great guys. What? Great guys. You very sad when the podcast ended. Uh, that's, that was my favourite podcast that's not hosted by The Torch. Um, mm. I loved the oh, Everything Elite po- podcast. Yeah. Um, but I think that they're like your American equivalent mm. and I think that's why I like, you know, the Grapple Boys and I like that. But I love the Everything Elite Boys and... Mm. Um, Hopefully we'll use it with our And I, like, I, I enjoy podcasts as long as the people giving the opinion are intelligent. I enjoy listening to opinions that might be quite different from mine. Like, you know, don't forget how, like, when I started becoming involved with Grapple, it was literally because they were also anti-Jay White and I was so pro-Jay White. But <laughs> as long as I respect the people yeah. saying this stuff, then, like, I, I don't mind it. I it's it's The people I get mad at that offend p- people I like are the ones that I think are... S- are stupid and don't have a right to have an opinion and I'll not name them. <laughs> they might they may have been they may have been named um <laughs> they may have been named under Benno's breath a couple of minutes ago, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, moving on from there, no, we didn't share any uh, party favors with Big Tone. Dylan Shaw asks, uh, "This is more one for me, I think." Thoughts on Hanger in Wolverhampton having a show in October, same month as One PW? Is Brit Res making a comeback? Oh. Um, I think it's interesting that they're having that show at the same time. Sorry, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hanger's where if I could probably throw on to that. Hanger in where? Wolverhampton. Well, oh, okay. So Sorry. that's interesting that like someone's trying to run there again, right? And then because it was just built on like that party stuff and mm. Trent and Tyler and all of that crew, you know, and the scumbag. I would, I would, I would. Firstly, I'd bleach that place before I do any shows in it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, and I wonder if that's got anything to do because Chris Brooks is back as well. He's doing, he's been announced for progress around okay. that time. I wonder if that's got anything to do with that. Mm, yeah, we'll see. And no, Brit Res is not back. And uh, listen to us on uh, on BW, uh, especially on the show coming up, to, so that we can tell you why it's dead. Um, Kevin Miller, final question. Uh-huh. Steffi Chase. <laughs> 
Well, Ernie, you'd love this one. Okay. What was your favourite step outfit of the trip? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> what city is your preferred destination for an AW show given the arena activities in the city? And ease of travel. Step likely has a few more to pick from, but interested in both your responses. This is a question Kevin Kevin Miller, is this your like soothing him? I love Kevin Miller. Picture? I love Kevin Miller. <laughs> what was your favourite step outfit of the trip? Do I get to pick one? You say one first and then I'll say one because yeah. I, no, I, I take my outfits so seriously. Believe me, she fucking does. Um, I, I really want them to to work. And then, up on my Ethan Page game, you know, just so people yeah. don't silly still next to you. Um, <laughs> I, I do think I will, like, my outfits for shows, which I document on social media so yes. people can see. Um, I. I oh, go on. No, tell me what you were going to say. I was going to say my, my favourite moment of the trip before you get into okay. that. Okay. Is when we were we were stood outside the Mandalay Bay. Mm-hmm. I just mind the own business. I'm on the smoke, and this bloke comes past us, and he's just, he's clear, he's a bit wasted, a bit, a bit not really with it. Steph is looking like a million bucks, like in a in a great Cotton which dress it was you were wearing. I was you know just because we were in the media a bit that night. I was wearing you know, a nice shirt and shorts. Yeah. You know, I wasn't wearing wrestling stuff either. And he had the GCW t-shirt on and he just stopped and he had no idea who we were or anything. And he just looked you up and I was like, oh, you look amazing. Can I just say, you look amazing tonight. And then you went, thank you. I really like your t-shirt. And his face... No, it wasn't just that. I said, I really like your t-shirt. Are you going to the show on Saturday? His fucking face dropped. Like, what the fuck? You know what GCW is? Like, that's the reaction you often get. But like, that blew his fucking mind that you were going to get this day for the wrestling. He said, I look nice too though. So, you know, that was good. But that's it. To, like, I was with you and, like, literally, like, every five minutes you either got pretty much constantly people stopping you saying they like your, uh, your AW jacket or girls saying they like your outfit and stuff. You know, you did your yeah. part, Um, I think that the... And the visor was the best outfit. Okay. The visor with which... With the, the ones you got from Mary 15. Yeah, but did you, you liked it with the the blue dress with the gloves yeah, the blue, the with the matching gloves yeah no that was um, Rampage actually oh right okay and yeah. then I wore That's it I, I wore it on Fremont Street mm. yeah I think the outfits I wore to, to a, a I w shows no I you know <laughs> I um, are in a way like inappropriate um, especially you know when you then find yourself in a price scrum and like you're dressed like that like your brat's doll or something um <laughs> however it is like authentically me and um you know i think i've probably mentioned this in grapple before like i come from the world of, of drag and goth and dress up and stuff and that's what i like to do i like to dress up and wear these outfits to different shows and they definitely you know i do like they get some funny looks from people for sure but they mostly get like good responses but other than wrestling, like the thing I love the most is fashion, and I want to express that when I'm at at wrestling. So, like that's what I like to do. Um, I have to say, my favorite outfit that I wore, um, uh, it, it's gonna be my double or nothing outfit because just because I had a concept in my head that I wanted a two piece pink glitter like outfit, like a skirt and top that were both pink glitter, um, and I wanted to wear that to go with my pink jacket. And it took me so long to find that skirt and top. And when I did, and it came, and it looked how I wanted it to look, I was so happy. And then the jacket, um, I had been working on customizing myself. And then in Vegas, I got it airbrushed to say Miss Dynamite. And 
Uh, a great shop with a nice bloke. Yeah, there, really it? nice guy that did it for me. Um, on really cheap as well. So. What did he ask you on, eh? What? Oh, he asked if uh, Benno was a wrestler. Oh, okay. Um, so having the jacket come together with like the skirt and top, and then the other stuff I wanted to do. Um, I was just very pleased about that because I got I I definitely go through a lot of anxiety about outfits and stuff and like putting them together and yeah and then there was other things that I really enjoyed wearing like the one that Benno you know said like the the dress with the matching gloves and then the big visor um was I loved wearing that and I loved wearing it then out in in Fremont Street as well and also (laughs) I just sound like a horrible egomaniac now and I'm not I'm so sorry but the outfit I wore to Dynamite in LA which was a um like a kind of rubber material rainbow star um especially for pride dress um i have to say i think i wasted it on that dynamite because it was like just a dynamite i know it was in la um and i had got it i actually got it um the day before the show um and and it and it wasn't cheap and it was like a great you know thing for like the beginning of pride and i actually had a pride fan to go with it that i didn't get in any of the photos um, but I really love that dress and I hope I can wear it again one day. <laughs> oh, you look good, Nathan. You do. Like, I was going to say, my favourite bit about, by the way, when you bought that dress was we went, when we went to Dolls Kill, which we went to because we saw Paris Hilton go there on one of your, uh, one of your shows. Um, well, <laughs> well, no, I, mean, there, right? I, lo- I, I love Dolls Kill. But we went there and we'd like, we literally been to a dispensary that afternoon. So I was a bit where, where... And I was, said to him, take a hit before you go on Dolls Kill because Dolls Kill's insane. It's all like lit up in like neon and stuff like that. And it's so, all dark, but yeah. so neon. So it's a place lights. to be a little bit high. So you were getting like changed, and you asked me to go get like another copy of like one of the dresses. Like yeah. That. So I went out trying to find the entrance because I thought it was by the entrance where we got it. And then I said, oh, there's another entrance over there. Maybe it's that one. So I went to walk over to the second entrance. And then this bloke was in my way. I'm again being around those fucking off my head. <laughs> oh, the bloke, like, I went to get past him and he, like, stood in my way. Mm-hmm. So I had to move to the left and he stood in my way again. I went, oh, sorry, mate. And I looked down and I saw his shorts and he had a pair of green shorts on. I was like, I'm wearing green shorts. How weird is that that this bloke's dressed the same as me? It was a mirror. I'd love to get the copy of the CCTV of yeah. me spending 30 seconds trying to get around me in a mirror. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and saying sorry mate and trying to get my way around so that's how that's probably the highest I was that weekend um, <laughs> I got you dressed though and you got it all sorted and you look great at the end of it so it all worked out thank you but uh, what was my best shouldn't happen? I have been a baddie though yeah that should have happened but the, the only, I think the only baddies they have were men weren't they and they didn't do it properly mm. um, what was my best happen um look how much you struggle in your listeners it was one of your oh no it was your shirt with the tigers on it and we wore that um, <laughs> that was funny. We wore that to Area 15. Yeah, so Area 15 is like an event place where there's like VR and crazy shit like that, and it's where like the video post of us flying through the sky is from. And like, now, I wore this wild shirt yeah. thinking we're going for a party day today, we're all going to get drunk. You were dressed all like neon mm-hmm. and stuff, all lit up. Like on the way there, we got a call to we to go to a media event. Yeah. I was sat there like, can I, can I tell how much of this going to say? You, 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 no. tell, you say how much you can say. <laughs> I can't say anything, oh, but okay. I was just I was, top secret media I was inappropriately dressed even for me guess. I didn't have a brown yeah. and um I regret that. But that outfit though in Area fifteen was the best because like it 
lit up neon like I wanted it to. <laughs> and I me. felt okay. I felt like Paris Hilton. And that's <laughs> all I want is to be Paris Hilton. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll get your model in the, uh, the grapple t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Like I've got two grapple t-shirts. I will definitely post some photos in those. And then you all have to retweet them and say, sign up to grapple. And I'll probably take him. Um, <laughs> there's the second question then about the uh, the arena, activity, city. What's the uh, mm. best destination for an AW show? Um, I think it depends what you want. Like my my favorite city is Chicago. Right. Um, and they you know they run a lot in Chicago. And also, if if CM Punk means a lot to you, you have to see him in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Like so, I was so happy when I saw him in Chicago. Right. With Chicago, yeah, okay. There's different options of arenas that they'll run every time. So I'm going back to Chicago in about two weeks for Forbidden Door. Oh, um. <laughs> Rubbing it in, rubbing it in, rubbing it in. But it's a great city. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, COVID. COVID, sorry. However, if you want to take... If you want to take in an AEW show and combine that with a holiday, then Vegas is the place to go. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, unless you are, like, super into Disney or something and you can go see them in Orlando and then go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. But... um. If you're more into the the adult activities, uh, Las Vegas. But that, that's like once, like Vegas felt once in a lifetime to me. I mean, we're definitely gonna try and do it next next year, aren't we? But like, it, for a cheaper weekend, Chicago is probably a better bet. New York's the one. Like that's New the York. one I plan on doing with you next. Arthur Ashe, yeah, New York. We'll get that in, won't we, this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Minnesota was cool, but I wouldn't recommend it. Like, that was your, fucking all things open. First thing you say, you book flights. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota, the first. Minnesota, but I did go to Chicago <laughs> as well on that trip, so come on. Ah, you got that out of it as well. But, I'm yeah. trying to go to 10 different American cities to see AEW this year. And um, I'm going to make it, I think, because I've done Jacksonville, Orlando, Boston, Las Vegas... Los Angeles, and then I'm doing Chicago for Forbidden Door. I'm doing Detroit for Blood and Guts. So then once Blood and Guts is over, I only have three more cities to hit before I hit 10 cities in America for AW in 2022. And I think I'm going to make it. I do too. I do too. And I'll ride your coattails to as many as I can. Um, but on that note, that was our last question. That's the, uh... Oh my gosh. I hope I haven't bored you guys. <laughs> You've done well. You're always good when you're always popular. Yeah. I, do- I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. No, it's been a uh, boss to have you back on staff as well. Thank uh, you. What do you want to uh, tell the people or where they can uh, where they can find you, keep up with your stuff? Well, like, if you want to uh... see these outfits... <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Follow me um, on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase, of course. Um, on Instagram is there there as well. And also follow me on TikTok, that, which is what I've been putting most of my effort into. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. Um, the last thing that went up was an interview with Adam Cole, but I do have more stuff to go up. Yeah. Um, and keep an, eye, keep an eye on my Twitter for what might, be, what might be happening and what might be what I decide to do next. But... Um, yeah, and uh, you know, as I said, I'm going to Forbidden Door, and I'm going to Blood and Guts as well. So if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, um, I'll post lots from those shows, and I don't know, maybe 
I'll even talk about one of them on a grapple if I get invited. There you go. And you will. <laughs> we'll have you on uh, on more this year. But yeah, I'm about to record this with you. And yeah, as far as like, the, the podcast goes, yeah, we should be back to normal now. Uh, me and JP, are, uh, well, by the time people hear this, I should be back in the country. We'll see. Um, but JP is definitely, definitely around. Yeah, we're going to do, I imagine, a big weekend show. Hangman Page uh, title run Deep Cut will be coming out. We've still got a, got a great episode of uh, Observe This that we're. Uh, we're gonna get in the can as well. And I've been promised um, something with Maddie to do with the Undertaker. You really want to record with Maddie, don't you? I want to record with Maddie, and I absolutely want to record about the Undertaker because I'm extremely passionate about the Undertaker. Undertaker Kane Lord, I think is yes. the, uh, is the yes. one yes, yes, that sexy Unforgiven cover. <laughs> Those pale ginger boys. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, it's a lot of uh, it's TNA's. Uh, did, would you believe this twentieth anniversary this month? So. No, I wouldn't believe that. <laughs> TNA Feels themed. like it should be 50th anniversary. Fuck yeah. We'll have some TNA themed content uh, coming your way as well. But yeah, thanks to our patrons who've uh, stuck with us through this uh, this little period. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back again next week. Bye. Cheers on. A word okay. or a sentence. Well, do what did I say? A word or a sentence on the wrestler's meaning. I'd say, uh, whatever comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. Right. You ready? What's up? Okay. MJF. Good, but not good looking. <laughs> Jay White. Good looking. I'm brilliant. Right. Um, Wardlow. Take a moment. CM Punk Alright Alright for CM Punk Mm -hmm. Brian Dennison Boring as (laughs) (laughs) No personality Nothing to offer at all Nothing Nothing. to offer Brian Dennison Okay then Um, Oh um Hook Not a lot not a lot. No. Not a lot on hook. Wow. Um, the Young Bucks. Oh, they're good. They're good, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kenny Omega. Don't have an opinion. Eddie Kingston. Oh, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Good talker. Nice eye, bro. Yes, he's, yeah. he's a good talker. Yeah. Not, not much to look at, but... <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Cody Rhodes. Twat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roman Reigns.
sort of boring as well. Mm. Good looking man. No. 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 No, my type. She's not gonna like woman wings. Jungle boy. He's all right. He's better than Hook. Mm. Okay then. Um, I don't think he else you see a lot of. Thoughts on Arcade Thoughts on the Arcade Anarchy match, that big multi man match with Jericho all over the arena. Sorry, Anarchy in the arena. Too much going on. Too much. Too much going on. Yeah. Mm hmm. Who would you most like to see Jay White wrestle? Punk. Punk? Well, really? Or no, MJF. MJF, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, with a promo between them. Yeah. Right. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for those hot takes. They were hot takes. You better not have recorded that. Of course not.